All right. We are now live here on the People of Comedy Facebook page, which everyone should like because uh, we got to give a big shout out to start off this podcast. Big shout out to uh, James Webb, everybody, who is uh, yeah, basically, right? He is the podfather, the godfather of podcasting in the Chicago comedy scene. So many good podcasts on the People of Comedy Network. You guys should check that out. He has been going live on the streets. James Webb has been on the streets of Chicago with various comedians. I know Jarrell Scott Barnes was with him. Uh, John, you were with him at one point, right? Yes, I was. Yes, and um, a, f- a few other great comedians, too. And basically just been talking to people on the street and you know getting the pulse of what's happening um, during the, the protests and everything like that, which has been a really great thing. I know a lot of people have really appreciated James for going out and doing that. So big, uh, big uh, shout-out to James Webb. Um, everyone who's checking out this podcast for the very first time, uh, I am comedian Joe Kilgallen. I'm from Chicago, born and raised here. Travel across the country doing stamp comedy. Um, this is normally a fun, goofy, let's let's drink beers type of podcast. The whole idea is I recreate bar conversation. We drink, we get silly. XL's been on the podcast before. John, first time, but I, I'm glad you're on. I'll have you on a fun episode another time. Uh, <laughs> I felt it was important to do this episode because uh, as a, as the whitest person ever to exist, um, <laughs> Like I, I mean that skin wise, uh, um, I I can't. You can't. It's not enough. This has been a. I this phrase has been going around a lot. It's not enough to say I'm not racist. You have to be anti-racist, which I believe one thousand percent. And uh, you can't. It just can't. People need to listen. Is what needs to happen. And I want my podcast listeners to listen. I, I, I imagine most of them are great. I don't know all of them individually. You guys are just numbers, sadly, on some <laughs> spreadsheet. But uh, the, the people who listen to my podcast, you guys are amazing, and I, and I love you for it. But this episode, uh, it's too important not to, to talk to my friends and, and and have them share their experiences and, and what they feel and what um, any you know what they feel like should be happening and, and what needs to get better. And I think it's important that people who look like me listen to that and so I'm really going to, st- I know I'm doing a lot of talking up front, but I just wanted to explain why I'm doing this. And, you know, I don't want anyone thinking I was doing it for, for whatever cheap reason, you know? Um, so without further ado, let me introduce the two, uh, my two friends here. We've got uh, Xavier Lamont, um, the man at the bottom screen uh, with the wonderful, the, the beard coming in real nicely. Um, yeah, I'm getting ready to do shit tomorrow. Oh, yeah? All right. <laughs> See, it's funny when you see your comedian friends, you always want to kind of roast each other a little bit. Like, you guys can't tell right now. Look at this fucking hair, dude. Oh, yeah. I got like an inch of hair all the way around. I haven't had an inch. I, hair hasn't touched my ears. I don't know in ever, in, in ever. And I have hair, hair touching my ears now. It's weird. I, well, I, I, think- I feel like I'm exposing a lot of white people to their first ever uneven afro right now. So. <laughs> <laughs> I know the pain right now. You know, then, when I was younger, because I like uh, cats like Cornell West and a couple other guys, I always thought dudes with bad haircuts were smart. Because, like, what else? <laughs> like, they were so smart, they didn't have time to worry about getting a decent haircut. I, I, there was nothing. I was a kid, man. You know, you believe dumb shit. So I'm just going to go with that right now, that we two cat, two brothers with bad haircuts, so we got to be super smart. I've heard yeah. that, though. They say, like, those genius guys, like Steve Jobs always wore a turtleneck, and Einstein always wore the same cardigan every day because it's, like, one less decision. They have a theory that you can only make so many good decisions in a day, so that's why they didn't care about their appearance. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah. yeah. So uh, XL also Xavier Lamont. I should. I'm gonna call you XL, everyone. So that's when I say XL, you know, I'm talking about Xavier Lamont here. Uh, he has a podcast with a com- another comedian, Bobby Hill, good friend of ours. That's also on the People of Comedy Network called the New OGs. Why don't you tell everyone about your podcast? Uh, New OGs, me, Bobby Hill. We talk about stuff from perspective of guys who we kind of just stepped into that space. I, I, actually, the origin, the name of the show came from some younger comics referred to us as OGs, and we were like, who the fuck are you talking to? Oh, <laughs> shit, we are. Damn. <laughs> you know, and it was like, oh, uh, yeah, we're not used to that yet. But it's it's just talking about stuff from perspective of Gen Xers. Uh, we are technically the OGs right now, although it doesn't really feel like it because uh, the, the group before us is still running shit, and the group after us is kind of taking over. <laughs> we're wedged in between. We didn't give it a good. We even get a decent presidential candidate. We went from Obama to back to old people. Like there, there should be a, a Generation X candidate right now, and there isn't. That is a little weird about how Gen X kind of gotten skipped over a little bit. But Gen I'm X has not given us a lot, it, but... though. So, <laughs> right? so much great culture has come out of Gen X. Well, um, everyone should check out the new OGs. It's a very, very good podcast. You guys go live every Friday on this uh, page right here, the People of Comedy Facebook page. And also I have uh, John McCombs, an awesome comedian who I've done some really fun shows with, produced his shows around the town, and just started a new podcast that I was on the first episode of, so I'm very grateful for that. I cannot remember the name of it because I don't do my homework and I'm bad <laughs> at my job. What is the name of your podcast? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, the Breaking into Business show. Basically, we go over uh, business aspects of comedy, a lot of the how-to, a lot of lo- the logistics about the business, whether you know, you're touring or that, whether you want to uh, you know, start your own comedy show or something like that. Uh, I have guests on every single week who talk about – just give inside uh, knowledge on how to go about doing all that. That's great. That's a really um, – I like that. I like anything that provides like value because there's so much that people just – don't know when you start out yeah. uh all right so uh, i think i gotta lead off with like this is this is a tough one too it feels like that it, it was so much going on in such a short period of time before any outrage could really even um not outrage well yeah i guess any outrage could really magnify or or even go nationally over um the case in in georgia where um thank you he was out jogging and like that was another where everyone's like holy shit can you believe this happened and then we have the story of michael cooper the bird watcher um uh who luckily wasn't violent but it was another example of you know a a black man can't just live if someone's calling the cops he was a bird watcher for god's sakes you know what i mean what's he doing and still this woman's calling the cops on him um, another Karen, if you will, call him the cop. Central <laughs> yeah, Park Karen. I guess. Central Park Karen. Yeah. You know what's that's funny about that? that. Here is here is something funny. And again, uh, you know, this is my little joke I'll throw out there. I only know one Karen personally, and she's Colombian. She's Colombian. Oh, wow. ah, a really hot right. Colombian girl who's super nice. I'll, I'll show you guys. I'll, I'll show you a picture. I came off creepy just then. But anyway, <laughs> I, I meant like as proof. Look, she's Colombian named Karen. She doesn't look like your typical, you know, mom jean Karen. I, I, I went to school at a place called St. Joseph's College. It's in Indiana. And uh, the attendants, the people who attend are primarily South Side Irish people. people uh, Irish people from like uh, Mary, uh, what's it? Mother Macaulay, Mother Macaulay, oh, yes, yes, and uh, Brother Rice and stuff like that. And uh, as sh- I know a shit ton of Karens, like it was, it was like a Karen factory. 
<laughs> like some of them very good women, but Karen's through and through. <laughs> totally. Yeah. yeah, definitely. I actually don't know any white Karens. I just thought about it for a second there. The only Karen I went to school with was Mexican. And then when I think of a white Karen, I I think of uh what's his ass is uh Ray Liotta's wife in uh Goodfellas. Oh, wow, yeah. that's a very good archetype for Karen. <laughs> yeah, that is that fucking what's a Karen? Bam, right there. Pull that up. <laughs> yeah, and now I'm thinking about when she flushed the drugs. Like, why why'd you do that? It's so stupid. You could have hid them like in so many spots anyway. Um <laughs> so uh what I mean to say is there was like a series of events that happened and it's this everything going on and with, with uh, COVID-19 40 million people unemployed. Um, what was your first reaction when you saw, I guess when you saw or heard um, about what happened in Minneapolis with uh, George Floyd? I'll, I'll jump in. I, you know, uh, 90% of the times I don't watch the videos anymore because it's happened so often that I just can't. Like, I, I still have never, I never watched the uh, Omar Aubrey one. And uh, I don't know what made me watch this one, but I watched it like early. And I, like I said, I usually don't. And uh, my first reaction was, was horror in the way that the, the cop was staring just off in the space as if he didn't give two shits about what he was doing and I that it was weird because I've seen that ha I've seen stuff like that happen before obviously but not it was it it was something about it, it was as if he was like what do you think is gonna happen nothing's gonna happen why the fuck would I stop doing what I'm doing nothing's gonna happen to me that was the expression he had and that shook me more than anything because it's one thing that we everybody always does the dance when something like this happens where everybody's all outraged and we can't have this and then they do a thorough investigation it turns out he didn't do anything wrong is is the dance that usually happens and he his expression while he was killing George Floyd was as if he had already just skipped to the end where he knew he was going to get off and so he didn't give a shit and that shook me that he had that type of confidence in while he was murdering a man in public like nobody should walk around the United States with that kind of confidence at all, that they could take someone's life and 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 not give two fucks in public being filmed. That's insane. Yeah, honestly, when I saw it, I mean, I when I first opened the video, I first saw the link. You know, before I actually physically watched the video. My thought was, okay, where's the part where white people can point to and be like, oh, well, actually, he was defending himself because he was doing X, Y, Z, whatever, because there's always they, they, they always go to that. But, um, I mean, watching that video and seeing it from, I mean, it, it was one of those, I couldn't watch it from start to finish. I had to, like, jump around, like, oh, he's still on his neck. Oh, he's still on his neck. And yeah. I mean, just watching them, like, at, at the end, it was kind of like, there's no fucking way you could justify anything in this video. There's no fucking way they could spin this to make it seem as though, oh, he was he felt threatened for his life or whatever tactic they go to to try and justify the killing of black people. There was There was nothing in that video, even before... To, 
to justify what had happened to George Floyd. It was just, I mean, like the, I, 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 I was, I was shocked. I had no words, man. Yeah, the video was so heinous, Joe, that I, like I said, I don't watch the videos, and most of the time, I don't actually post the videos. You'll see me post stuff about what mm -hmm. happened, but I don't normally post the video because. It's just murder porn, man, and we, and we nobody needs to see somebody somebody die. But this particular video, I posted it, and in, and in capital letters, I I put "Make yourself watch this," because just like John just said, you I I did the same thing. I think initially, I don't think I watched it straight through. I think I skipped like a couple minutes ahead, and all the same reactions John just said, and then I went back and watched all the way through because my mind couldn't believe that I was like, wait, I just skipped two minutes ahead and his jet position hadn't changed whatsoever. So I like, in, even in my mind, knowing how this shit happens, I was still like, there must've been a struggle in that two minutes that I skipped where he tried to get away and he had to get, get him back in this position. He could not have been leaning on this guy's neck for two straight minutes, you know, and, uh, and he was. Yeah, I mean, I I agree with you, XL. So much of it's murder porn, and I don't usually – I try not to watch them because they're so gut-wrenching, you know? This one, I didn't see the whole nine minutes or, you know, almost nine minutes because I saw, like, maybe, like, a Twitter just shortened clip where it was enough to see. And then when I read further that it was there for, I think, like, eight minutes and 40-something seconds. I can't eight remember. Eight minutes, 46 seconds. Yeah, it was like, are you are you, are you fucking kidding me? Um, and then to, to see the other three officers standing there doing nothing and all the people there, it's um, – you, what you said really struck me is, like, that kind of confidence. And um, where do you think, like, that kind of confidence comes from? I mean, it's – I mean, obviously, that's a huge loaded question. Um Basically, it's it's this is fresh on my mind because I don't know if you guys saw this. Maybe a couple hours ago, it was news across the country that former um, it was well, he's still a general. I mean, he's a retired general, General John Mattis, um, who was one of the most respected generals of like maybe like the last I don't know few decades. He came out against Donald Trump's actions and talked about how um, divisive he is and everything like that. And it makes me think: are, are is it is it the last decade? of police officers never getting indicted even and even indicted. There's not even, there hasn't even been a, a court case over it where that kind of confidence is what you were talking about. XL. that look on his face, like this is happening. What are you going to do about it? Is what um, I think that's what really enraged a lot of Americans, you know? I, okay. So I'm, I'm about to say something and anybody you can come to my page, you know how much, how real I keep it, but I'm saying this for this instance. He had 18 previous like situations. He shot a guy before. He had 17 other things that he'd done to attack people uh, of color uh, on his record already. So that particular officer probably had reason to feel real fucking confident, man. He probably like 18 times. Eight, I, I don't even know how long he's been a cop, but 18 times. I don't know if you've been a cop for 50 years. 18 times is a lot. Uh, 18 different separate complaints. So he his confidence probably came from a real place. You know, and, and I don't know that I, I, I despite all the other things that I've seen with other cops, and, and I'm not trying to justify or, or 
let those other cops off the hook. Uh, I think many of them were just as heinous, but uh, or the mentality was just as heinous. But this particular guy, uh, when you see him wearing a hat that says "Make Whites Great Again," and uh, and you hear the number of complaints that he's had in the past, I I feel certain that by the time we get to trial and they've had some time to investigate this person, we're going to find out some other stuff about him that 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 his particular scenario, uh, his confidence was, or that that look, that arrogance uh, comes from a place of, of, of deep hatred. Uh, and, and I would say, I would go as far as to say, him in particular, is this guy in particular is probably not representative of even the other cops that have done killings uh, in the past, for the most part. I'm not, I don't, don't want to say that people don't think I'm letting people off the hook. I, I'm saying this dude is like an ex exceptionally bad. <laughs> like, even amongst a room full of really bad people, this motherfucker's like next level. You know, he's the Michael what? Jordan of, of, of <laughs> asshole cops. What, what I think that that confidence comes from and what has bothered me in some of like, my dealings with like my white Facebook, my white friends on Facebook and shit like that is I'll see some posts they make about I, I, I'm cutting my uncle out of my life because, you know, he says racist things or posts racist memes or whatever and, and all that. And I understand what they're trying to say, but it's like, no, you don't understand. Your uncle who posts those racist jokes, those racist memes, he lives in nowhere, Iowa or nowhere, you know. Uh, Minneapolis, and he doesn't have people around who who check the things that he says, who check the jokes that he posts, and actually gives him a perspective of no, these people are human beings. You need to treat them as human beings. Like I guarantee that dude has told hundreds or thousands of racist jokes to all the cops in his unit, and everybody just laughed along. No one gave a shit, even if they felt like, eh, that's kind of fucked up. They didn't say anything. They didn't want to fucking ruffle feathers or anything like that. That's why none of the other officers in that video did anything while he was choking that man to death. Um, because he knew they wouldn't stand up to him. They, what, they would just accept the shit that he put out there. And that's, I mean, that, that's why I've been trying to challenge my white friends right now with is like, no, engage those people in your life who are, uh, you know, saying those racist things, those those racist jokes or whatever, because ultimately, if you aren't the one that checks them, who is? Who is the one that's going to say that's not okay? Like that, you need to change the way you think about that, because everybody else is just going to either say nothing or just reinforce the shit they already think. Yeah, I think I think that's a that's something I want to I want to bookmark that the idea of unfriending people or whatever, because that I see a lot going on right now. And it's interesting. I did want to get back to real quick, if I could, XL, you mentioned um, this officer being different. Um, shouldn't even call him an officer. This piece of shit. Uh, I feel like officer is too much of a respectful word to be used. I'll, 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 I'll go with you on that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was an officer. <laughs> yes, you were. Uh, I am a gentleman, of course. To me. <laughs> And a lover. Uh, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> I, no, I hear good things. I hear good things. The rumors are good, man. They, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That stuck word, out word, to word me. Out. <laughs> That's, McComb Bones. 
McComb Bones. <laughs> That's the new nickname. That's got to stick. That's my production, my porn production company right now. McComb Bones. <laughs> when you said this one looked different, I, put, I can see your lawyer right now. Like, no, no, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> you know, I was worried about me being too jokey, but I'm, I'm glad it's you guys. <laughs> um, I almost want to be like, guys, this is serious. Do you not understand how serious this is? <laughs> oh, shut up, white man. We can. It's that dude. When you fucking when you said it, it made me go, "Oh shit, he's right," because it all goes back to that look on his face as it was happening. That sense of what are you going to do about it? I mean, he didn't say it directly, but there was it was there. It was written it, in it, face. It's almost like he was holding a sign that yeah. said, "What are you going to do about it?" Like you, everybody looks at the look at that dude's face. That's what that's what you're going to think when you see his face. We he's thinking, "The fuck are you going to do about fucking it?" Pockets. Yes, he was. Have you? Let us, when was the last time you kneeled down on the ground with your hands in your pockets and had like complete balance? Now, push picture a man's fucking neck underneath your knee. That's how fucking casual he was about killing him. Yeah, yeah, that's the most casual murder in the history of fucking murder. I like mean, that was like, like he could have sipped a chai tea latte <laughs> as he murdered a motherfucker. You're not wrong. I mean, the hand in the pocket. Is it wrong that my brain went to Michael Jackson doing the moonwalk with his hands in his pocket? Like that's the level of casual he was. It probably was a little wrong. I went there. I've been watching. I was watching Michael Jackson dance videos earlier this week before everything went wrong in the world. Um, I don't know why I did. You ever just go on a Wikipedia wormhole where all of a sudden you're like, I'm watching Smooth Criminal at 2 a.m. Fuck it, you know? Wow. Um, I, like I did like watching that? Joe try to dig his way out of that hole right there. No, it's true. Yeah. But I, <laughs> he did the moonwalk with his hands in his pocket. I'm trying to think of casual while you get your hands in your pocket. But dude, it's something about like you, you may think of all these other ones, right? Where and again, you like you said, you're not letting these the other cops who've done these horrible things, killing unarmed uh, black men, um, off the hook. You're not letting them off the hook. But like you said, this was one that definitely seemed to have this level of fucking evil. And then they're all evil. But like the way he was just hand in the pocket fucking almost nine minutes staring at people while they're all screaming to get the fuck tell him tell him to get the fuck off you have george you know begging for his life crying out for his mother who when i first saw the video i didn't know i read like a couple days later that his mom died a couple years ago which makes you your heart hurt even fucking more um and all these other ones you know there's always like what you said earlier john there's always the way to justify and everything like that the other ones i see is the the um Another one, it was in Minnesota. Damn it, I need to write that. I shouldn't have the names written down. Castle. Oh, uh, Castle, right? Lado Castile. Castile. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes, that one where he was just reaching for, I don't think he was reaching for anything. He was in the passenger seat, and the guy just shot him in the chest because he flinched maybe. Those, yeah. oh, so many of those murders were With that kid in the back seat. With yes. that big, like a four-year-old in the back seat. Yeah, that, was, like, that one was really awful. Um, they're all really awful, but that especially was like, what the fuck? Like, there's there's so many of these scared shitless police officers where it's like, we need to stop hiring people who are fucking terrified to do their job because they're killing people. So here's here's the thing that I'm going to say, and and uh, I am not a doctor, although I, 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 if President Trump says he has he had an uncle that was uh, a scientist and he gets to, he understands shit because of that. Well, I got two sisters. That are doctors. So how about that? Now I'm gonna understand shit because of that. No, but anyway, uh, I here's the thing. I don't know if we can hire white people to be cops if we're gonna say we can't hire people who are scared. White people in general are for some reason afraid of black people. Like we're going to attack you all the time. And there, there's this mythos out there. There's even right now 
because I've seen it like several different times. So I don't know if bots, if there's bots out there doing it, or if this is actually just a, a narrative that's going in the right wing current. But uh, there's a graph from 2018 that says uh, white people, it shows like who gets attacked by who, black people attacking white people and each, it's each different race. And it shows that white people getting attacked by black people is like the most frequent. And it's it's total bullshit. Um, hey, if you're a white person and you get murdered, there's an 86% chance that the person who murdered you was a white person. Like, yes. <laughs> murder is intimate. It's, it's, yes. it's an intimate thing. It's people murder people they know. And so uh, since a lot of you don't have black friends, chances are it's going to be a white person. <laughs> uh, and that's with everybody. There's no such thing as like black on black crime or white on white crime. Everybody's crime is on each other because crime usually happens within the community. Like that shit that happened in your neighborhood where car tires were getting slashed or people were breaking windows and breaking in cars. It's probably some white kid in your neighborhood that got hooked on some shit. Like, yes. no, no. Uh, I live in Naperville, downtown Naperville got looted. I promise you that was not a group of, of black kids. There's no way in fucking hell a group of black kids are going to go downtown. To go, you have to go past the police station to get to downtown Naperville. There's no way that a group of black kids went downtown Naperville to, uh, to go smash riddles and shit. That's like signing a death warrant. That's like asking to get killed. There's a bunch of white kids, but they'll end up being afraid of the black kids. And uh, yeah. And what I'm saying is we just need to, we, that is a society somehow. We need to get rid of that kind of mythos, man. Like, Xavier, I, get, like real... I get people being afraid of me. I'm six foot seven and a whole bunch of weight. Six, uh, seven, six, seven, how much? Man, I'm not saying exactly how much. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Saying, I didn't... Uh, I, I'm, I'm in the show. Anytime, I'm in the dude, Charles you Barkley go. Shack here. Charles Barkley Shack weight category, somewhere in there. But <laughs> anyway, uh, I, uh, no, you're right about that. There is a, there is definitely a bias where um, it's 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 really something that I don't think people realize. Where the news reports on 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 violent crime and black crime more than it does on other forms of crime. Um, well, the news is just murder porn in general with all sorts of stuff. What people don't realize is what you said too with murder. Ninety-one percent of I think or eighty-six percent of white people. The percentages are basically the an overwhelming percentage of whatever you are is what's going to end up killing you. All these yeah. crimes, crimes are local, they're environmental. It goes that way with kidnapping too. I remember seeing someone post because some a girl got kidnapped, which is always terrible, and she's like, "I'm never letting my child out of my sight." And I go, "What do you want to bet that whoever kidnapped the kid was related to the kid?" Two days later. <laughs> It was related to the kid. Sorry, I just knocked my computer. Because um, 95% of kidnappings are someone who knows the kid. Everything is yeah. central to who you, what, what, where you are. And it <laughs> goes that way with crime in general. Poor white neighborhoods have the same percentage of crime as poor black neighborhoods. Same as poor Hispanic neighborhoods, poor Asian. It's all like, it's economic. So many of things like that are economic. And um, that's why, uh, hold on, we got, a, we got our guy, Nolan, saying, love you, wankers. We love you too, Nolan. Um, hey! Hey, no Lee. Galway Bay Pub, everyone. Be sure to uh, show up there and, and bother him when it opens to the public again. He'll love that. Um, can't wait, anyhow, can't wait. I, yeah. So I, I'm glad you brought up those statistics because I think a lot of people don't realize that. And um, and 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 John, like to to um, you know, I know you wanted to add to that. I was wondering if you could sum up the idea of because you were also in the military. Can you tell us about your military service and the training and what you see? these officers doing and what makes you think this person should have never gotten this job? Yeah, man. I mean, I mean, you obviously saw a post today about some, uh, should 
ex-military members join the police force or not. Um, and the way I feel about it is that I, I've seen, obviously gone through the training. I was in the Marine Corps for four years, um, I went officer side. So a lot of our training, what we go through is not just how to shoot, how to, you know, the, you know, how to essentially kill people. It, our training revolves a lot of, a lot around why you need to engage your mind the most, why you need to think before you act, why you need to actually, you know, uh, uh, understand the environment because especially now with the wars we've been fighting, Afghanistan, Iraq, they're all counterinsurgency. And counterinsurgency says that sometimes the worst thing you can do is come in with the biggest gun you have. So you wouldn't say kill a sniper if it meant killing 50 school children. Now you just turn, everybody fucking hates you now. And now you've turned one, you know, person who's trying to kill you into 50 people who are trying to kill you. So they tell every Marine, every, I mean, I, I can obviously only speak for the Marines, but they tell every Marine on the ground, Hey, look, like you need to be smart about how you're engaging. You need to be intelligent about what you're doing out there. Um, and a lot of the training we go through, I mean, it just tries to instill in you the idea that yes, be ready to react, but also understand that you need to fucking calm it the fuck down. You need to be ready to be to exist on multiple planes where it's going to feel weird for one second, shaking hands with people, and the next second, you know, you're in a firefight. So, I mean, what I saw in that video, you know, just coming from a military perspective, there's zero way you could ever justify that on a battlefield. Zero way. I don't care if yeah. George Floyd literally killed a person, your, your buddy that you went through training with, like strangling or through sitting on him with your knee, strangling a person to death, a very slow and fucking painful death. There's no way people could just stand by, watch that happen, and that's okay. That would not, there's no way that you could justify that in a full on combat scenario. So having that happen on the streets of Minneapolis, you know, it, it's, it's just like there's no way to justify this. There's zero way to look at this and say this was something that we could – he was a threat to that officer. He was a threat to the people around him. There's nothing you could say to justify that. Yeah, I think I read someone say that uh, it would have been more humane to just have shot uh, uh, George Floyd than to uh, stick your knee. Where? What kind of – like um, through, well, through, I mean, through military training, did they, what did they, how did they teach you how to subdue someone? I mean, for the most part, um, the train. I'll, I'll, I'll be honest with the training I received. I, was, I received uh, training as an officer through going through like the basic school. So my training is not like the infantry is not like frontline, literally frontline combat guys. I've seen it take place because I've done stories on it and I know what they go through. So a lot of what they tell people is there's certain holds and techniques that you take someone down to the ground with. There are ways that you cover a person, make sure if they go for a weapon, you, you know, you, you got to protect yourself or protect your buddies. But that being said, when an enemy surrenders to you, when the enemy shows no more aggression, wants to stop fighting, 
it is your responsibility is international law that you render aid and you treat that enemy with respect. You don't continue to hurt that enemy, especially if they cannot, they have no longer have the means to resist you. It is law. And if any commander in Iraq or Afghanistan saw a video of one of their Marines suffocating an enemy combatant to death, they would have brought the fucking hammer down on them. Yeah, you're going in the brig after that, right? Yeah, you're fucking done. I mean, that's the only, and, that's well, only military lingo I know the brig. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah for the military. But essentially, I mean, the, literally the thing is, um, as military commanders and what I don't necessarily see with the police forces, um, you know, and sometimes in the military, shit rolls uphill. So you could be the commander in charge of 200 plus odd people, you know, going in a, in a combat zone. But if one of those fucking people blows away a, a family of civilians just because they fucking felt like it and actually gets out, you're fucking done along with them. So they have yeah. zero fucking tolerance for that shit. Yeah, I, I think that's a huge problem because not it, with going back to the policing part of it, uh, because not only did this dude have 18 uh, citations or whatever uh, complaints against him, uh, the people who work who he who he worked for, like none of them got fired. Or if they got fired, it wasn't because they had a dude on the force that had 18 complaints, which is that like like. The way the way the military does it would be a great thing to model because that the shit rolling uphill would make people understand that some asshole with a vendetta or just careless or cowardly or whatever the scenario is that leads that leads to uh, uh, innocent or uh, non-threatening person being basically murdered or actually murdered. If you knew if the police chief knew he was going to lose his job. If that shit happened once, I guarantee you it would happen less. That's a great point. That's a really good point. There needs to be some, there's like, and there's an accountability issue that goes across. Uh, I, of course, being a police officer is a very, very tough job. And every, everyone, I don't think anyone would deny that. I think that they ask that. police to do too much. Yeah, yeah they, I like, do. Yeah. I think there needs to be a whole separate force for like domestic disputes. Like if the same guy, who might have to deal with a drug deal and a gangbanger should not be the same fucking dude that's like handling domestic disputes and the same guy who's handling a couple kids having beers behind the, you know, some some businesses in the alley. That should be the same fucking guy. Yeah. That shouldn't be the, there's no way that that should be the same person because uh, those are different skill sets. I, I, I remember talking to a cop once and he got really upset, and I was sincerely speaking out of empathy for his position. I was just saying, man, they ask you to do too much. I saw where he got in trouble. He didn't get in trouble, but there was a thing where there was a deaf kid that he almost shot. And because the deaf kid didn't understand what was going on, and uh, like somebody had to run in front and explain to him, it was like a whole thing. And I was like, that's not your fault. Like, you were barking orders. You are told to take command in the same scenario. You can't be expected to know how to do that. Like you could have been, you, I felt in that scenario, I, I feel for the police officer in the training that they have makes them ill-equipped when they're in a scenario that's outside of 
I'm sorry, I know I'm ranting. I just I'll just say it like this. Even the president in this press conference the other day, they were saying things like dominate the space and dominate the battlefield and take control. Uh, some scenarios don't call for that. As John yeah. was saying earlier, sometimes you, you should be there to de-escalate. You should be, because you are have the weight and the strength and the power of the police force, you don't have to be in there. I'm the biggest dude in most of the rooms I walk in. Both of <laughs> you guys know me. Do I fucking act like I'm the biggest dude? That I'm, like, Do I go around bullying people? Am I... Am I no, like, am I, no, you, know, you no. could. You could. I, I would have yeah, done that I, thing. I know I could. That's why I don't do it. Because I know that I, I would be an asshole. But I, I like. There's no reason for me to do it, man. I'm I'm the biggest moving object in the building. I'm I'm pretty sure I'm gonna be okay. And and if cops kind of had that swag more, I'm, I understand why they can't. I understand the, the hostility they face and the danger. But some of the danger is because they make. I'm terrified to get pulled over. I'm not a threat to a cop, but I'm terrified to get pulled over. And if I'm terrified to get pulled over, somebody else who might be a threat to a cop, when he gets pulled over thinking the same way, he is going to do something. Yeah, I it's it's I mean, I'm sure that's something I'll never have to deal with. And I have two sons. And um, what really strikes me during all this is I've had so many friends, a good friend of mine shared on his Instagram. Uh, about how his dad had the conversation with him. This is what happens if you ever get pulled over by a police officer. Here's what you do. My dad never had that conversation with me. I never, I never had to have that. But it is interesting that you bring up about how there a lot of it's de-escalation. And it's Kristen Toomey mentioned in the chat there, there was a good point you said about how we're asking police officers do, to do too much. And I think a cop might hear that thinking, well, you don't think I could handle it? It's like, slow That's the exactly fuck down. That's exactly how the guy reacted. Calm That's the fuck exactly down there, second reacted. string. You know what I mean? It's, it's always that dude. No, for real, there's so many of these guys I know that I'm like, I knew you in high school, all right? I like you. You're a good guy. But, like, you, you, you take that same piece of shit. Dad, I swear to God, I'm this close. I would have started an offensive guard if the coach wasn't a dick. They take that mentality – and then they bring it to the real world job and they don't fucking yep. drop it. And because of that, it's just, it creates even more conflict. You, Everyone has been applauding the, I believe, the chief of police in Flint, Michigan, which is, can't be an easy town. That town has had so many struggles with not having really? clean water. And, you know, I don't I think if, if you have 20 bucks in your pocket, no matter what your race is, you're a millionaire by Flint, Michigan standards. You no, know, I, yeah. I might be being a little over the top with my portrayal. No, of Flint, no, no. But Flint's a shithole. It's pretty, yes, yeah, it's, it's not great. Anyway, he did a great job I, where he came I got to, family up there, and I'm just fucking around, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm, I mean, I'm just a recap on something everyone here has seen, where he said, what What could we do? Hey, we don't like that piece of shit cop in Minnesota either. Well, fuck that guy, because what he did makes us all look bad. And I wish, I wish, I'm seeing, that's why I'm more, I don't know how you guys are feeling, and I'm going to ask you in a second, but I'm feeling a little bit more optimistic because I'm seeing so many more people come out that would never have said anything before. Jonathan Taves, yeah. the captain of the Blackhawks, wrote a long thing that was like, dude, oh, he gets it. Um, the starting quarterback for LSU was the number one draft pick. for the, He's going to be the, yeah. you know, he came out right away. And I'm like, this is good to see. More and more people are speaking out. And I wish we'd see. Yeah, thank you. Uh, more and more police, if more and more police officers came out against this shit, saying, "Hey, you're making us look bad. You're making our job harder. Get the fuck off the force." I think there'd be so much more. We, the progress would have been made years ago. Even I think there is a degree of just the fact that his murder was as graphic as it was. There's no ducking away from it. There's like they, there's no saying 
there's like I said at the beginning, there's no justification. And a lot of people I think needed to see that they where you can't look away. This is what is happening. This is right in front of you. And there's no way that this could be spun any other way than this is a horrific murder. Yeah. I, I, I kind of honestly liken it. I mean, trying to put it in terms of people, uh, people understand like watching, I don't know you've seen saving private Ryan, you know, I can watch that movie and yeah, there's a lot of shit that happens in that movie, but the one scene I cannot watch is the dude getting stabbed slowly in the fucking tower at the end of the movie. And it's one of the most gut-wrenching, painful things to watch. And I try to skip through that part. And that is kind of what watching all these black people being murdered by the police is like. It's like up to this point, it's like, oh, okay, this is just the movie. It's happening pretty quickly. And now there's this one that makes you sit there and fucking take it. And there's people are like, fuck, I can't. There's no way around what just happened. It's fucking, it's, it's real. It's right in front of me and there's no excuse. So that's why a lot of people right now, I feel like are coming forward and saying like, this is fucked up. This needs to change because there is no ducking away from this. This is what you saw is what happened. So I, I, I do want to say, cause I, I know we're focusing on, I didn't want to say his name, the, the, the piece of shit that killed uh, George Floyd. But, uh, He's uh, even though I do believe his act was different, and I do believe, especially him being, being a cop, because like we said, most of the other cops, you see the situation, they they immediately went into CYA mode and all that stuff. This dude didn't seem like he gave a shit at any point. Uh, but he's not the only person because if, if you go back to the Ahmaud Avery Avery uh, scenario, the reason why the tape came out is because the guy thought it exonerated. Him. Mm. He thought that that tape was helping him. He thought that that tape was like, see, see, <laughs> like yeah. what happened, like that, 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 and so, and in and in Georgia, in that area of Georgia, it might have been if it hadn't gotten you know publicly out. It, I mean, he had been two months; they had been charged, and so it's prevalent that mentality of if you kill a black person, you might be okay. I mean, I don't know if there would ever be a way to get an honest poll on this, but if there was an honest poll on this, I think the majority of white people know that. They know that if they took a black person's life that more than likely they could probably talk to, you know, they'd be okay. There's there's every chance they're not going to jail for it. That's the fucking weird thing about this whole situation is thinking about how many black people have been killed when there was not somebody to record what happened and they just had yeah. to take the testimony of the person who killed them and like yep oh, he came at me so i had to shoot him yeah it's fu- that's fucked up i i never thought of it i mean i never thought of it that way because i never could imagine myself killing um someone over the color of their skin i can imagine myself killing people for different reasons but never because they're black or whatever you know what i mean that's um Joe. Just I, I, I know we kind of got into an okay place of not to bring it too heavy down, but to give you an, an idea of how prevalent and forethought of it is in my mind, uh, as big as I am and how I tell, how I am in a room in my neighborhood, I just started walking for exercise and and I saw a story. Tristan Smith posted another great comedian in Chicago. Uh, Tristan was talking about a guy in his neighborhood noticed that he walked a different direction and said hey don't you walk a different way 
And the first thing Tristan thought was, wait a second, this guy's been fucking walking, watching which way I walk. What's going on? And I don't think, I think the guy was actually, the way Tristan told the story, I think the guy might have been trying to be friendly, but it was still like jarring to Tristan that he knows that he knows that. I just started walking into my neighborhood. Uh, it's a, I live in the cul-de-sac. I could literally walk like a nice little loop right past all the houses. People do it all the time every day. Or I could go out a back way near the lake where all the mosquitoes and shit are, but there's no houses. And which way do you think I take? I take the way by the lake because I walk usually early in the morning. Like if I don't get do it in the morning, I'm not going to do it. And, uh, and, uh, and I know that there's a chance that somebody might not recognize me, even though I've owned property in this neighborhood for like 20 years, uh, they might not recognize me and I'm going to get the cops called on me and it's going to fuck up my morning because I'm going to have to prove that I live in the house down the street uh, and that I'm just going for a walk and I'm not, you know, leering or looking to rob anybody and I don't want to deal with that shit. So I walk away where I know I'm not going to be around anybody's house so that that doesn't happen. Like, I have to think about that shit. That's Every time I go out to walk in the morning. <laughs> I mean, I'm John, I'm sure you have experiences like that too. I was just a little surprised because I would have thought you would have walked on the street where they could see you instead of in the back, like going behind it's, houses. It's, I would have well, thought that would a, be more it's a troubling. Lake. It, it's a lake and there's a path and, and it's a way, it's far enough away from the houses that like you just be being an extra dick if you mm. called me over there. Like but still fuck yeah. mosquitoes, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I've 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 kind of had this running joke about how, like, I was walking with one of my my white female friends uh, during the pandemic, um, and then we were watching people literally cross the street so they didn't have to walk by us because you know social distancing and whatever. And I looked at her and I was like, "Now white women know what it's like to be a black man at midnight." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, me all the time, but yeah. <laughs> let me say uh, some thanks to some people in the chat right now um Nolan patrick rafferty of course uh john yeah. w savage he uh he brought up an interesting thing that i think we could kind of talk about a little bit here there's so many pieces of history that the average um american whether they're white hispanic black or asian um might not native might not know about and one, um, he mentions the fall of uh, Black Wall Street was terrible, but some of a bigger issue with the current riots instead. Um, the Black Wall Street is something I think a lot of people don't know anything about. And I'm sure, XL, you probably have a, um, you could probably explain it better than I can what happened exactly. I'll, I'll keep it short. Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, there's a very successful Black uh, community. Uh, all, all black community uh, inside of Tulsa. They called it Black Wall Street because it was, uh, you know, just a nice, relatively successful community. Uh, there was a incident that happened, which was very common at that time, where something happened. Somebody said a black person did something, and a posse of white guys would show up and want to uh, handle it. And I believe the short of the story is the crowd they didn't want to give the guy up to the crowd so the crowd basically burned the whole city down to the ground yeah yeah um, awful. uh yeah yeah uh and murdered a bunch of people obviously and if you want to see a much better telling of it uh believe it or not the watchman on hbo really almost in a professorial type way uh told the whole story of it uh this year this season so if you haven't seen that show 
they go into real detail of it. And I say professorial only because it really gets into the rights and stuff and it talks about uh, racism and I don't want to give it away, but there's a lot of stuff in that show which just ran like I think February of this year, February, March of this year, uh, that could very much, it looks like they wrote the show next fall. <laughs> not not that it aired in, in, in the spring. Uh, it looked but like they, they were, they, mean, they were basically same. calling their shot with this. Wow. A similar yeah. thing actually happened in, I remember, uh, Wilmington, North Carolina. Um, same kind of deal, uh, community of successful black business people burnt down some, you know, people lynched and essentially just the black community was destroyed. And for those of you who are fans of the last dance, that's Michael Jack, Michael Jordan's hometown. Yeah. yeah. Wilmington. That's true. Yeah. But by the way, uh, one thing, uh, John, thank you so much for saying that, man. Black wall street is not an isolated incident. Uh, black wall street is, there's a recurring, there's multiple yeah. black wall streets. Uh, you say the most there's, one, there's one that happened in Florida. Uh, Rose was I think it's Rose, is it Rosewood. That's the that's the movie, and I think that's the name of the town. I'm not 100 percent sure, but there's there's a similar story that happened in Florida. Like these things happen multiple times over time. When people talk about, I've heard this literally my whole life from white people thinking that they're having an intellectual discussion and not just being racist, and they say stuff like, you know, my grandparents came here with they had zero. They couldn't even speak the language and they built up this and stuff and all of a sudden they don't understand that black families did that multiple times and multiple times had white. My grandfather moved to the north, moved from uh, Mount Bayou, Mississippi, is where a, sound, a town my family started with a bunch of other families uh, in 1891. And my great grandfather sent my father, my grandfather and, and his brothers north. Uh, after basically a group of white guys just basically robbed their, uh, went to their barn and stole their entire harvest uh, after, but like literally just basically left them with nothing because they had a they had a really really great crop and they were good. they were all excited they were gonna make a bunch of money guys just showed up with with uh, guns and took everything and uh, my grandfather and his brothers couldn't do shit about it uh, like they wanted to they couldn't. That their dad was that my great granddad was like yeah they'll kill everybody just just let them take it let them take it and they all came to Chicago after that uh, and God uh, damn. yeah like it's, that shit uh, happens all the time it's a very very regular fucking thing uh, throughout history of black people breaking off having their own success like uh, to simply put if we were actually inferior. You wouldn't have to oppress us. <laughs> there wouldn't be need for oppression. That's exactly yeah. like, like I, I don't I don't I don't have to I don't have to put the game on extra hard to beat my kid at NBA 2K. I'm better than him. Yeah. <laughs> he's in theory. Like he, 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 he's gonna kick my ass. Uh, he's not. I know he's not watching the show. That's the only reason why I said that on here. <laughs> well, let me um, let me ask you guys this. We got a couple uh, more people. Um, Mark Lennington said uh, he appreciates perspective. I know I wouldn't know what to deal with this shit. It's uh, a nice comment, Mark. Kevin Olsta says, I feel like I've done nothing. Uh, what can white people do to show solidarity? Vote. Uh, uh, yeah. I, there's people who get talk about uh, our votes don't change shit. And I don't just totally disagree with that. Black votes by themselves, even though we're a very strong part of the Democratic Party, we are the thing that puts the Democratic Party over. 
We are not, we're, 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 we're the base of the Democratic Party, but the real thing we need is, and, and I know this is political, like Republican, Democrat, whatever, we need people who are going to make positive changes for people, who want to bring people together, who want to try to do something to help everybody. The reason why it's craziness in the street, I'm happy that the George Floyd situation has brought people together out of that terrible tragedy, but what's happening in the street isn't just about George Floyd. It's not even just about Amal Aubrey or Breonna Taylor, who I don't think we've mentioned, uh, the woman no, from we Louisville. Have that, we and we should have, yeah, sorry. Uh, no, I mean, yeah. It's it's there's so many. It's yeah. who could who could not forget somebody because it's just it's too many. It's so it's so many. It's too many. Uh, uh, it's not just these recent scenarios that have happened. This is years and years and years of nothing being done. So I think you need to vote for people who uh, who say they're going to do something different, and then you can't just vote on November third. You have to also follow up in 2021 and say, hey, you said you were going to do that thing. Are you doing it? I posted, some, I'm sorry, I, I'm, I'm ranting a lot, but- No, you're not, dude, no, it's good. I posted on my page uh, right after right after the uh, 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 George Floyd uh, murder. Uh, if you want to make a change, if, you, if you're a white ally and you really want to make a change, call your personal local police station. Like the station that, that if, if they would come to you if you were in an emergency. And find out, like, hey, who's who's the sergeant in charge? Who's who who who's the who's the captain here? Hey, what do you guys do to prevent to train your officers so that shit like uh, George Floyd doesn't happen? Do you guys have a plan? I guarantee you. I promise you. If they have to answer that question, and and also not just answer that question, but then know that there's an expectation, like if they don't have something, they could. There's going to be a record that people were asking, and they said they did something, and then they didn't. That's where you get the accountability at. Because if nobody, this is a weird thing, but white people, they do this because they think they're protecting you. They think they have your blessing when they do that. And if they don't, you need to let them know they don't. I think that's a great, that's a great start. Uh, John, I don't know if, you, um, if you'd like to add you, to that. Yeah, um, just know that it doesn't stop here. Uh, that's the biggest thing is this is not an isolated event. This is not just a one-time thing. And so a lot of the activism I see right now, I'm wondering, am I going to see the same kind of, you know, activism, the same kind of enthusiasm a month from now? Because, you know, me and XL, we don't stop being black. You know, yeah. I, I, when you've, when people have forgotten about George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery, we don't stop being black. We don't stop being, you know, looked at differently in the United States of America. That's 24 seven for us every single day. So, I mean, just remembering that this is not just a thing, a one-time occurrence that is continuing to happen. And as long as people just forget about it, sweep it under the rug, worry about whatever's next, it will continue to happen again and again and again. And we will go through the same thing like we did with Trayvon Martin, like we did with Jameer, Tamir Weiss, like we did with so many other black men who have been slain by the police. And the situation has not changed at all. Yeah, I think, I think those are great. I mean, you're, you're right, um, XL, about voting and, and keep the enthusiasm going because a month later, 
we know so much. I, that's why I was kind of curious to lead off by asking you guys, like how you felt that when you found out the news about George Floyd, um, which I know is a really tough loaded question because I was curious if I've almost got, we've gotten, I think a lot of us have gotten desensitized over school shootings and, and mass shootings yeah. in general, because they happen, they were happening so often. It's like, Oh, this is a rerun. I've seen this TV show before. And I was wondering, I mean, if that was happening at all. And I, it clearly isn't, which is great. And I feel like there's more people come together. The enthusiasm is at an all time high. Um, but yeah, that definitely has to keep going. It can't just fade away when uh, July hits and barbecues are back. You know, I don't, for, I don't, I, I really don't think it will this time for, I've seen a lot of people make this comment and I've experienced this comment. And by the way, I want to take a, this, a moment to say thank you to so many friends who have tried to be allies, who have, Message me how I'm doing. I'm doing great. Uh, my fat ass is not going out looting. Uh, <laughs> I am not in loot shape. I was not. I did not train for the loot. So, although I uh, I will be buying loot uh, goods. So if you got electronics, I need to up my uh, podcast game. Pile at me. Yeah, where do you find those? <laughs> Facebook Marketplace? Or, uh... <laughs> yeah, that's my window. I, I don't know. Is Craigslist still a thing? I haven't used it in years. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But uh, they, they opened the barbershops back up, so you could find them in there. Ah, there you go. That's what's up. That's what I, yeah, yeah. I gotta, I gotta go holler at them. Give me, give me, give me some DVD players. <laughs> they still make them. Well, since you brought up, uh, since you brought up the looting and everything like that, um, again, there's so many things I've picked up on, and I, I really don't want to do a whole lot of what my thoughts are because it's not what this is about. Uh, but just from observing, you can the have people, thoughts, man. Well, I know, I know. Of course, I, I know that. Of course, I can. But I feel like I just wanted, I wanted to, you know, listen to more what you guys had to say. I talk enough, is my point, I guess. Um, is that so many people were, you know, enraged by the riots and or the looting and everything like that. And I'm like, yeah, dude, yeah, the the looting and the riots sucks. It really sucks that that piece of shit fucking cop murdered a, an unarmed black man and all those other people have done that shit too it's really a, like i want to just fucking shake him and be like see the bigger fucking picture over here and also so quickly people forget i'm glad we talked about the history of like black wall street and all these other things there's also a history of rioting and how it fucking works you know yeah. um the boston tea party was destroying private property that seemed to work out yeah, 42 tons of tea yeah, I mean, if you go back further, one of the Bible well, scriptures, Jesus is flipping tables and shit. Like, um, first John, guy sorry, killed ahead. in the uh, first guy killed in the Boston massacre was a black man. Christmas yeah. addicts. Yeah, yeah. Um, black yeah, trivia I mean, for you. Bam. I wouldn't have gotten the name, but I knew I knew it was a black guy that was the first one killed. But I wouldn't have known the name. Um, there's so much history that I wish, I you know, I bet you he didn't know what the fuck was going on. He they were like Christmas. What? Oh, shit. <laughs> I should be laughing, but that's a funny name to be like. Yeah, you, know. um, <laughs> you said it like in a South Park voice. You know, you gave that. Somebody, like a you know voice. what? You know what happened? I bet we all, somebody was we like, all called somebody Christmas. thought he said they shot Christmas, and that's when the white people got. They're like, what? That's when the war on Christmas began, when they shot Christmas at the Boston Tea Party. <laughs> Those fucking redcoats. Oh, man. Um, but, yeah, it's uh, th there's so much history that I feel like if people – I'm realizing more and more history is such an underrated subject. Everyone's like math and science, math and science. we got to increase our scores in math and science. 
history is so fucking important because if you understand people understood it more, they would treat each other so much better. I, we, yeah. We've all we've met second generation Americans who hate immigrants. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. And history does repeat itself. Clearly, it repeats itself. Look what's happening all over again. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's interesting things that. Um, it's a shame that Lucy K fell under such bad circumstances because he had this great joke that he kind of did on Leno. I don't know if it was a joke or an interview he had on Jay Leno's show where he talked about how he's heard educated white people say slavery was 400 years ago. And it's like, it very much was not. Where are you getting that number <laughs> yeah, no. from? And it's, I, think, I think he was on, this was like in 2010. So it was 140 years ago. He's like, that's two 70 yeah. year olds living back to back. That's not, <laughs> Yeah. if you guys want to understand like how, like, literally, I mean, if I'm talking, I, I, not you. Go ahead, John. I'm sorry. No, I, I think XL. You were actually probably in the first generation where it was not legal to be overtly racist. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm 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 kid from the '70s. That the fucking uh, <laughs> that not equal. I was about to say equal rights amendment. That's totally subject. Civil Rights Act and Voting Rights Act and shit. That shit happened while my parents were in high school. My parents, wow. my parents were in high school. That's when that shit happened. They go to college, bam, have me. And like white people are just, this is like the, the first time white people were being forced legally to be polite to black people. <laughs> like, yeah. like just be polite. Yeah. That was like, 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 and, uh, and so it's been an insane put for me because I'm also part of the generation that took uh, the N word back and uh, NWA. That's 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 our, that's our crew. You know, I think I'm the same age as like you. And um, uh, yeah. So like seeing that flip from from nigger going from being like my parents heard somebody say nigger and that meant that they were in trouble. Somebody was coming for them. And now if if I'm around, and I hear a white person say nigger, that white person's in trouble. You know, that's a that's a huge flip. In my lifetime, that happened. So, yeah, in the, in the uh, 70s, in the 70s, I'm sorry to cut you off there. You heard that no. word on television. Yeah. On hit shows. On hit shows. On major and... shows. I'm pretty yeah. sure if Marchie Bunker doesn't say I mean, it, it's said on the show. John Lennon had a song the, the, the fuck- where it was in the title. I'm sorry. Go ahead, John. I'll say the fucked up thing about it sometimes I think about the fact that, I mean, obviously going outside of the American perspective, but worldwide during my lifetime apartheid was legal yeah like literally in south africa white people black people are not allowed to be in the same spaces like that was a thing when i was until i was four years old so like this racism being this thing that's in the past that's not true at all yeah it's uh i mean yeah there's there's still so many things to to talk about i was wondering if See, I'm trying to, I'm hoping that there are white people who have a certain mindset that listen to this and could be like, all right, fine. Because I think so much of the problems I see on social media and just in today's day and age, because I I feel like 24-hour news networks and social media have pushed the divide um, even more so with how people change their minds or open their minds up to different thoughts. And, um, and and the left is guilty of this on some degree, too, where, um, you know, what I mean, it's almost like, fuck you, don't tell me I'm wrong. And I yeah. want I, I would I would like all of us, regardless of the issue, um, 
obviously we're talking about the major issue here because I'll hear white people being like, I'm not racist. And they can't even admit to, and that doesn't look. If you, it's almost I, impossible to be raised in America and not be racist uh, and, be, and, and, and not have, or not be raised with a racist mentality because America treats black people in a racist way. Like, I, I, I'm sorry, I, I, I could you off. I'll just say this. White people, if you don't think America's racist, ask yourself this. How come, like, 99% of black people think it is? <laughs> like, we like, I, I didn't know John that well before, <laughs> like, like, two years ago, a year and a half ago, and stuff like that. How is it weird that we had same experiences, like, similar experiences? How do we, how do we both know, like, certain <laughs> shit about being black? Like, how, how, how could that fucking be possible? He's a fucking military officer. I'm a former gangbanger. We have nothing in common. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Except that we're black and we lived very similar. Uh, we've not limited, but we have similar experiences uh, with racism because it's real. It yeah. happens, and it happens uh, way more than you I, guys I, think it does. And even if you weren't I, intentionally I always like being to racist, think of people who say like, well, no, go ahead, John, I'm sorry. like when people say like white, when people say white privilege doesn't exist, I'm like, okay, so if Trump were black, would he have gotten elected? Yeah, no way. I mean, like, like answer that question. Yeah, answer that question seriously. If he were black, he did the same shit. He said exactly the same things. Would this dude have gotten elected? Hell, fucking no. No, no one could look at you in a straight face and say, "Yeah, he would have gotten elected." Of course, if no. Al Sharpton own hotels. Would he get elected? <laughs> That's fucked up because Al Sharpton actually does some good shit. I just shit on yeah, Al Sharpton. Yeah, Al Sharpton talk about grabbing women by the pussy. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I grab bitches by the pussy. Elect Al Sharpton. Nah. <laughs> and I, I like to, I like to mention to uh, my fellow whiteies out there that because you'll, you'll say like, oh, white privilege, really? What the fuck? Like, I grew up poor as shit. That's to say to admit white privilege is real does not mean you didn't grow up hard. What yeah. you could have very well had the shittiest existence ever. But what it means is you're not going to get pulled over because of the color of your skin solely. You're not going to deal with the same shit yeah. because of this color. That's as, sim as simple as that. And admitting that does not make you a bad person. I feel like so many white people have this struggle where they're like, I don't want to admit I grew up in a racist system because that would mean I'm racist. Look, you we're not. I think a lot of people aren't saying that you specifically are running up and down your street yelling the N word. OK, but you might have biases that you don't realize. And it's time to address those. It doesn't make you a bad person to admit, yeah, I fucked up and did some stupid like, you know, maybe I did have some bias. Maybe like I yeah. um, I don't know, like whatever it may be. I think it's time to confront that shit and think, how have I been have I had bias in the past? How have I been unfair to people in the past and all this kind of stuff? Like, you know, I had a good friend who bought an apartment building and we were talking about different stuff. I go, all right. You got a, a black guy with a 750 credit score, a white guy with a 700. Who are you renting to? Don't even think about it. He's like, all right, you got me. Because like he thought about it and he was going to rent to the person with the lower credit score because they were white. And I'm like, that's just because of fucking – and they don't even realize the race stuff. Sometimes they'll be like, well, that guy's clearly good, but I don't know who he's going to bring over. I'm like, dude, that's racist. That's clearly a yeah. fucking racist statement because you wouldn't think yeah. that with the white guy. And believe me, I know a lot of white people with some fucked up family Joe members that hang out at their party. Hey, and I'm, I'm going to let you know something right now. Black dude with a 750 credit score – he ain't bringing nobody you don't want over. <laughs> There's a reason why he got a 750 credit score. <laughs> he, he he don't take a lot of risks. <laughs> He's risk adverse. Well, 
literally this whole situation right now is a as a like a macrocosm i would say of like white privilege because literally we're going through the same things we're all confined to our houses you know we're all on coronavirus lockdown or whatever you know we're all no one's working and on top of that still black people are getting killed by the police so it's like yeah, yeah it sucks for everybody but it also sucks for us on top of all that that shit you're going through I would give you I'll give you the plainest and simplest, like uh, undeniable white privilege example. Just a week before George Floyd happened, there were people protesting that they wanted to be let out of the lockdowns and shit because they were sick of the coronavirus lockdowns. And they were doing protests at state houses with guns. They were like in the state house yelling at people. They were screaming at cops with guns. All over the country, they were small crowds, but they had guns and they were angry. And oh. nobody, no riot gear, no, no, like there wasn't. Uh, we gotta take these. We gotta, you know. But and you could say, well, they didn't riot and loot afterwards. They showed up with guns and screaming. Like black people showed up peacefully, and they responded with riot gear and tear gas to peaceful protests. Multiple times I've seen on TV peaceful. No violence, no right or nothing. Standing peacefully, cops show up, shoot tear gas into the crowd. Multiple times watching TV, saw it happen live. Reporters getting hit because they were standing with a peaceful crowd and they got attacked. And a week before that, there were people, while the city, while the state was supposed to be on lockdown to help fight the uh, virus all over the country, not peacefully protesting with weapons. And there was no riot gear, no police force, no even talk about we had to shut them down or we had to stop them. That's white yeah, privilege. That no, it's it white privilege. I mean, anyone listening, or, or I hope you're listening, still doesn't believe in white privilege after all those examples. I have a joke on my YouTube channel, and this is true. I've been pulled over ten times in my life, and I've never gotten a ticket. Well, one time I did get a ticket, but I still say I never got the ticket because I went back to the the bar I was working at the time. I was like twenty three, and I was like, oh, I just got a ticket for this. You know, it kind of sucks. I didn't. It's fucking bullshit. You know. By the way, everyone who ever gets a ticket, it's fucking bullshit. Um, and I, <laughs> the one guy who drinks at the bar was a lawyer, and he looked at it and he goes, "Oh, I know the cop who wrote this ticket. Check not guilty, and then I'll tell him not to show up on the court date." And then you won't get the ticket. And I'm like, oh, cool. So I wrote not guilty, shipped it in. I showed it to my court date, which was like, you know, nine o'clock at the Daily Center in Chicago. And um, I walked up. The, the judge said, well, he's not here. So go on home. And the thing is, there's a bunch of other people behind me who were also from that cop. And the, the judge was like, oh, it's everyone's lucky day. And I looked at them going, you should fucking buy me lunch right now. <laughs> you know, but, <laughs> like, it's it's true, though. I, I I I get pulled over and I'm able to be like, hey, officer, you know, all this. And I know some people say, oh, well, you're being a nice guy. That's why they let you off. Not because you're white. I'm like, you don't think black guys have tried the nice guy routine when getting pulled the fuck over? Like, it's insane. You think they're like, oh, I'm getting pulled over. Time to crank it up. Like, no, I mean, people know. It's just. just John people and I don't even talk it. like this. This is just our get pulled over voice. You should like we should have yeah. a whole separate podcast on how we actually talk. <laughs> yeah, totally. Right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's. I know, I, I've noticed a thing, and I think it's it's this American like we work hard, and and I noticed it during coronavirus when everyone was like, "It's time to get back to work." It is time we got Americans want to get back to work. Damn it, we're we're workers, and I'm just like, no, I think we want to go back to regular life. I think we want money. Like if, if the government was actually doing what Canada did during coronavirus and giving everyone like two thousand dollars a month, and then and um. 
and stopping mortgage and rent payments. Like if all bills stopped at the same, we stopped the economy, stopped the bills. If we would have done that, nobody would have been bitching about getting back to work. Nobody would have given a fuck about. Nobody would give a fuck. It would have been the best thing ever. I get to wear sweatpants yeah. and jerk off three times a day. Yeah. This is great. Fuck work. The only people that would care cared about getting back to work is us because they've just been like, wait a second, there's a bunch of happy people with extra cash. Yeah, <laughs> we need and, to be and, doing and we're, we're always trying to fill a void. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, if and. I, so I think about this idea that no one wants to admit that they had things a little easy. I know so many people who are like, I, I had friends, they bought like a house and they're like, uh, yeah, we, we got, we got a, we got a, we got down payment help, but you know what, man, that's the only help I've ever gotten. And I'm like, I'm not judging you. It's you got help. So what? Admit it. There's nothing wrong with admitting hey, it. Nobody's going to say you were dumb for taking it. Yeah. Dude, I just getting approved. Yeah. Are you getting I mean, approved for a loan stuff? Yeah. Go ahead, John. I'm sorry. The the amount of uh, I mean, it's no secret I date white women. Uh, that's just the thing I've done. But in any case, me too. Um, they, they, well, what's that? I said me too. I've dated white women too. <laughs> oh, oh, there you go. There you go. But um, during that time, like getting to know them, getting to know their families, and shit like that, it is am- amazing the amount of like judgment I've gotten from families of the white girls I've dated. And I find out about their families where it's like, oh, several of them have been arrested, so they've been to prison, all this, like, just terrible shit. They're, like, addicted to drugs and all this. And I think about my family, like, well, everybody, everybody in my family has a college degree. No one's been arrested. Like, all this shit. And still, they're like, no, we're better than them. Yeah, like, <laughs> like that shit is fucking infuriating. Hey, man, that's like one of the oldest sayings. Uh, I wish I could remember the specific that there was a uh, Southern Dixiecrat. He was a Democrat back when the Democrats were more the conservatives of the uh, of the whole thing. And uh, he had a basic, simple, a simple philosophy of if you can make the poorest white guy think he was better than the best black dude. You're the win. That's your win. Yeah. That's that, that's 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 the whole ball game. Uh, a a crazy thing. I I I try to do a bit about this, and I I fucking uh just shocked the audience uh at a at a little bar that uh I did, but I did a bit about Irish people when they first came to America. Many of them were indentured servants and worked in the fields with slaves, and uh, black people and Irish people had uh, rebellions together. Uh, uh, over plantations and after that shit happened a few times the plantation owner figured out hey you know what we're actually going to start paying the Irish people and we're going to pay them to uh, oversee the black dudes and that put a squash that kind of put like a whole squash on the whole fucking rebellion shit because Irish guys were like hey wait they're paying us now <laughs> so, yeah they did they, I mean, was a reason it- for us to still try to help you guys which Hey, you know, you got to feed your fucking family. And, and uh, I'm sure uh, not being a, a slave was way better. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah uh, my Irish family didn't come over at that time yet. We were still in Ireland. Joe. But uh, no, dude, that's true. And there's a book, everyone, you should read. The People's History the People's History of the United States by Howard Zinn. It's actually a book reference in the movie Goodwill Hunting. And um, they talk about how they would separate because back it used to be everything was class. So poor whites, Irish in particular at the time, and um, and and black people like got along uh, because they saw it as in, oh, we're all eating shit together. We're all in the same. We're all yeah, down here. Yeah. 
And then they said, oh, we can't have that. So then that's how the like, police force really came about where they started hiring Irish people because they're like, Irish people were dirt porn, like, we'll make you cops or what's your job? Well, if, if he escapes, I want you to chase him down. It's like, oh, shit. Like, you know, it's it, it was, yeah, yeah. I wish I wish they would have been a little bit better what's, back then about it, you know? What's what's a police van called? A paddy wagon. There you go. I thought that was to put all the drunk Irish people in it, though. Huh? I think that was to put all the drunk Irish people in it, though. Is that what it was? Well, because paddy wagons. Was, cops were always Irish. Hey, by the way, I got to give it to Irish people. This is the cool. The coolest thing about Irish people, uh, they own all the bars in Chicago and they're all the cops. So they get you drunk and get you the DUI. They got you on both ends. That's that's a hustle. You know, I mean, I it made me oh, think. Oh man, of, was that bad? And uh, literally, you know, said some Irish racist. John, no, I thought you were laughing at that. I was, oh. no, I was, I was, I am laughing. I was going to add to it. I was going to say, no, no, like, no, no, Levity no, no. Entertainment. There's like there's Levity Entertainment. They own um, their management company, so they'll rep a comedian. They used to rep uh, a lot of comedians, and then they own all the improv comedy clubs across the country. So they rep you, then they have you work all their clubs. They're taking ten percent of the pay they're booking you for it, <laughs> and they're getting the tickets. They're getting yeah. it on every end. You know what I mean? And then they owned a TV show that owned, but they were the producers for Live at Gotham, that TV show. So they oh, would sign, cool. yeah, they would sign a comedian, then get him him or her their first TV credit. Then book them at all the clubs that they already own. So it's just the money was like, it was like a pyramid scheme of money just keep going in their pocket. It was nuts. Yeah. I don't think that's a pyramid scheme, but it was some sort of no, no, no. Circle. But it, it's uh, uh, what is it called? It's uh, when you're all. Uh, it's not synchronicity, but it's something when like everything that. is everything is of uh, you're paying. You're creating products that are paying you while you're paying yourself from the products you're creating. Like it's passive awesome. income or something. But like, yeah, um, no, no. There's a there's a in integrated. Uh, it's it, it, your and your your businesses are integrated that they are all they creating other, wealth. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. They're feeding each other. Michael McCabe says, "Are you thinking of Strom Thurmond?" I, I was going to say it could be Strom Thurmond. Could that be. could be that could be. Yeah. That sounds I right. I was thinking of when you were talking about Irish people. There is literally an Irish pub in every single country on the face of this earth. Yeah. No matter where you go. There are Irish people. There, I, there will be an Irish pub in North Korea before there's a McDonald's. I swear. How many that. countries? And John, you're incredibly well traveled. How many countries have you been to? Over over thirty. Every single wow. one of them had an Irish pub in it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> even the ones not officially even the ones not officially recognized as countries, like the UN, is like we don't know about that place. They got an Irish pub. Well, Ireland's two biggest exports, I should say. Ireland's two biggest exports are the people and the whiskey. So, you know, because there really are Irish You're people whiskey, everywhere, man. dude. Everywhere. I knew I knew a dude who went to Costa Rica on vacation, and he said that he partied with Irish people who lived in Costa Rica. Costa oh, Rica. Shit. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, just <laughs> – well, during the potato famine in the 1850s and 1860s um, – they there was eight million people lived in Ireland at the time. The population still hasn't recovered from that. Now it's like four million. There was eight million people then, and I think four million or two million died, and another two million spread out. And you know they, you, there. Colin Quinn had a joke about why Irish people have so many kids, and he said it's tough to put a condom on after eight pints of Guinness. You know. So, <laughs> um, but hey, yeah, uh, I mean, how how do do they they do they never go outside? How do they not burn living in Costa Rica? I think it's those one those Irish might have adjusted to it though because oh, okay, okay. Ireland is you know okay. there are Irish people who tan. They'll look at Colin Farrell. Yeah. Look at some of those guys. They're, they're Irish. Okay. Yeah, like they're, I've got cousins who are very tan. There's like black Irish. That's the thing. 
Yeah, but which refers yeah, to that, 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 I've never go who's like I'll give you my last my last Irish fun fact, and then let's get back to the, the matters at hand here. Um, Ireland was <laughs> conquered by the Vikings, which is probably what I, why I look like this. And it was conquered by the Spaniards. They kind of came up um, to the Spanish Inquisition. Like, you know, if you go straight south of Ireland, you'll actually hit like the Strait of Gibraltar, right where Spain kind of comes out there. And, um, and so that's why they think a lot of the Irish who were Catan, their like ancestors were probably raped and pillaged by the Spanish and the Spanish where mine were the Vikings. So that's why like, okay. it's, it's serious. And, and if you, when you go to Ireland, that the red hair, blue eyed thing is even a minority there. More people have like that, like jet black hair and bright blue eyes is still a thing, but they like, do you see a lot of like, you ever watch on um, Peaky Blinders, that actor, Killian Murphy uh, he's, yeah, he's yeah, from yeah. Ireland. And he's so many people look like that dude. Like they, so many people look like that dude in Ireland. It's crazy. Anyhow. Um, yeah, but back to the, I, I the history of I that. Handle like gangster shows. The English I shows. Say, I can't handle gangster shows that with oh, gangster shows. UK accents. It's it. Yeah, there. It just. It, it, I don't. <laughs> I don't take it seriously, man. I, the slang is not threatening at all. Like UK. UK slang is fucking adorable. I can't. I can't. Do it <laughs> I like their slang. The slang makes me laugh a little bit, though. But it's a different I, kind of slang. It's like a slang that's like insulting in the most subtle way possible. I was watching one show and like this woman was going on and on and the guy's just like, what the fuck are you on about? And just the way he said, what the fuck are you on about? I'm like, yeah, that, I love that Americans phrase. don't I talk that like phrase. that, but that phrase is great. Uh, I, I did want to bring up like the whole, that is funny though, too, though, because you don't take it seriously. That's how I felt being a Chicago and living in LA, being a Chicago and in LA, I could not be afraid of their gangbangers. I'm like, you guys are wearing shorts. I can't be afraid of you. So no, here's the thing. Here's the thing about LA. The bad neighborhoods in LA have manicured lawns. That's really fucking weird, man. Yeah. Like they had squared fucking bushes <laughs> and shit. It, it like like I was in the hood and driveways, there, all driveways too. Yeah, yeah, driveways all over. But I, I didn't yeah. even know I was in the hood. Like the, the a ghetto bird, the fucking police copter showed up, and that's when I figured out that I was like, oh fuck, this is the hood. <laughs> this is the hood. Uh, I remember one time getting off on the wrong exit in LA. I can't remember where I was. I think I might've gone like South of the town when I was supposed to go North. You know, so, you okay. know, I don't know if everyone knows that the kind of right. through LA. And um, I literally had a moment where I'm like, that looks like the house from Friday. And then I'm like, well, I probably shouldn't be around here. I'm going <laughs> to rent a car. That's like a shoebox. I got to get the fuck out. You know what I mean, but even in, in, in Friday, they're hanging out on a driveway. They all have driveways. How bad could it be? By the way, by the way, that is like another like white privilege that white people don't know that they have, but they do. Nobody's fucking with you in any neighborhood out there that uh, in an all black neighborhood. They're not fucking with you because they assume that you gotta either be a cop or if you ain't a cop and somebody fucks with you, there's gonna be a bunch of cops coming. <laughs> oh yeah, totally. I, every every one of my black friends has said like, oh yeah, we're looking like, why are you here? You know what I mean? We have the same suspicion going on. Um, yeah, dude, like I was trying to uh, just to get back on what we were saying with the whole history of things. And so also, Louis C.K. made the point where once slavery ended, it wasn't like they walked off the plantation going, all right, you know, like it was like, oh, shit, what do we do now? We're starting game, at zero. Game, so let's, uh, <laughs> yeah. We're starting at zero. We don't know how to like it was just I just wish people knew the history a little bit more. Then they wouldn't be so quick to be judgy. Um there's a if, lot of if, yeah. if people really want to know, slavery ended 
way later than you think it did. Slavery did not end in 1865 with the Emancipation Proclamation. That ended the term slavery in that same type of, of uh, dialogue or whatever, but sharecropping and Jim Crow basically, uh, and also uh, there was a, a Supreme Court uh, uh, decision uh, that basically we did not have the same rights as uh, uh, the separate but equal, the Plessy versus Ferguson, the separate but equal. We didn't have the same rights as, as white people. And so we were never free citizens. And technically right now, this to this day, like, am I free? Yeah, actually, I, I'm okay. I, I, I'm okay. I'm a, I, I have a relatively good life, but I'm not free, free. I went to go pick up an Xbox for my kid today and I forgot that my second car sticker was due last month and I forgot to got to switch it out. So I drove all the way to Glenview because that was the only place I had the one that I wanted uh, with a expired sticker and didn't realize that I was actually in Glenview that my sticker was expired. Do you know how fucking terrifying that was driving home all the way from Glenview to Naperville with an expired sticker while all this shit is going on? That reminds me, man. That reminds me. I want to throw this one out there. Here's an example of white privilege. I got my car towed. It was, I think, 2016 or 27, 2016, I want to say. September of 2016 or maybe 2015. doesn't matter. I was living in L.A. I was at a comedian was having a big – it was the first football game of the season, and it was September 11th. And my car got towed because I still had Illinois plates. I never switched my plates over. Well, I had to after this because I was just like, ah, fuck it. What are they going to do? I'll just say I'm in, I'm visiting if I ever get pulled over. And um, my Illinois plates expired. So that's why they towed my car. And I went to the police station. And he, the cop was – that's another thing. I feel like so many of them give you attitude immediately. I'm like, I, I walked in the door and said hello. Well, chill the fuck <laughs> out, buddy. But um, – and I know it's not all of them, but it's a lot of them. Anyhow, uh, I he was – you know, giving me lip, he gave me, gave me lip, and I was just like, you know, it's kind of bullshit to tow someone's car on 9 11. I'm just going to put that out there. And, <laughs> and I remember thinking to myself later, going like, I, other people probably couldn't get away with that. Like, I feel like someone, I, I feel like he could have came down harder, but he did go, what does that have to do with anything? And I'm like, not feeling too patriotic right now. I'll tell you that much. Like, <laughs> and then he pronounced Illinois, Illinois. And I'm like, you know what? Oh, I can't do it, piece of shit. But uh, so uh, Gary Lee makes a point. He says uh, slavery is still all over the world. Yeah, sadly. Um, Plessy versus Ferguson's the court case. Also, you reminded me, XL, uh, this is another piece of history that doesn't get talked about enough because every four years we talk about the Electoral College. There was an election in which the candidate who won lost the popular vote, which I know some people are thinking, oh, yeah, that's possible. He also lost the Electoral College. I'm talking about Rutherford B. Hayes. Hayes versus Tilden in 1876. And what happened there was post-Reconstruction. If you look at the history of like black congressmen and black senators, there was a shitload right after uh, the Civil War ended and were into construction, like, you know, into the Reconstruction period of the South. Because black people was- be voting. Yes, because black people were allowed to vote. And so they're voting each other in, of course. Why wouldn't you? You know what I mean? They're getting representation. They were getting a seat at the table, a much-deserved seat at the table. Well, all the whites in the South weren't having that. They didn't like that. So then there was an election in which the South basically said, you know, they conceded going, you could have your candidate, but you got to get your soldiers, because there was still Northern soldiers, American soldiers, um, watching over the elections to make sure they were fair. 
So when black people went to the polls, there wasn't any bullshit going on. And that's why it was fine. But then they said, we'll give you your political candidate. You will let him win, despite the fact that he didn't win the popular vote or the electoral college. If you get your soldiers out of here and let us run our shit again. And they agreed. And then that's when it went, it literally went, what, almost a hundred years again before there was any representation um, by black congressmen and black um, like senators. So like, that's another piece of history that I don't think people really realize or understand how fucked up that was. And you talk to voting now and there's so much uh, gerrymandering that goes around that like both parties are guilty as hell when it comes to gerrymandering. I mean, if we like, we're going to, we're, we're putting all the cards on the table for the people who are watching. Like when we talk about systemic racism, some people I think just think they that somebody like thinks I don't like black, I don't like black people or liking black people is enough. Like this, when we say systemic, systemic, there were laws and systems put in place to hold black people back. You were just bringing up uh, that with uh, with the legislature uh, with voting and stuff, and they created things like poll taxes and uh, literacy campaigns that, that you had to prove that you could read, which. I know somebody say, well, if you can't read, you shouldn't be able to vote. Well, that's not what the fuck Kassouche says. Kassouche oh, yeah. says you're a person, you're a citizen, you get to vote. That's the rules. We vote for – I'm not sure the guy who is in office right now reads all that well. And so, like, reading isn't necessarily a big uh, priority uh, when it comes to running or, or voting. But they created things – they created stuff. And one other way that they kept wealth away – we kind of talked about it. We talked to it earlier when you were saying – like you have friends that got a little bit of help for the down payment and stuff in the house. And I was saying, just getting approved for a house. I was five years old when they ended legally, federally, something called redlining. And redlining, which still kind of happens, uh, was... Yeah, explain uh, redlining for people. Was basically, they would keep Black people from uh, buying property anywhere in good neighborhoods, any good area, any quote unquote nice area, they wouldn't um, they wouldn't allow black people to own property. Uh, also, like in places like New York and Chicago and other cities throughout the country, uh, you ever notice there's always highways and shit like that running through black neighborhoods or black neighborhoods are always positioned kind of close to uh, lesser, less than desirable uh uh, facilities and shit like that, like factories and shit like that. That happened on, that wasn't by accident. It wasn't like black people were like, you know, right here next to this major highway is a great place to build a home. <laughs> they put, they fucking put highways through neighborhoods because they didn't give it. they did shit. They, they repeatedly did things to break up and destroy black neighborhoods. And excuse me, just to finish redlining, redlining was they like actively Realtors and banks kept black people, business owners and homeowners from buying in any of the good neighborhoods for all the way until 1977 was when it was stopped legally. And now it's just kind of done with a wink and a nudge, kind of like you gave with your friend with the with the rental uh, example. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, like it, it's 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 it doesn't happen nearly as much, but uh, there are still times when there I just had a situation with somebody I know had great credit reserves like it should i used to do loans for a living it was a fucking slam dunk loan and she got denied and uh there's no fucking reason in the world to deny this loan it was it was easy money and they did i was gonna say joe do you you, you know why my name is john no why 
because my parents said, um, we don't want white people to judge you just based off of seeing your name on a piece of paper for a resume. Wow. So literally they're like, we're going to name you John. Your brother is James. Your sister is Pamela because we don't want white people to automatically dismiss you from having a job or whatever, just based off of seeing your name on a piece of paper. So that's another thing that that, white people will never have to go through, you know? Um, Yeah. Share a little secret. Uh, His, his black name is Mustafa. That's what I call him when, you know, you guys aren't around. Well, Sorry, watch out, watch out for your you brother, know, we, man. We got, we got everything up. Watch out for your brother, dude. <laughs> Scar is a dick. Uh, yeah, dude. I, I mean, uh, another thing that, um, and in in general, generational wealth, which is such a big thing, is usually tied to a house. So, oh yeah, I forgot yeah, about that part. Well, no, yeah. no, it's a big part of it. So, and in your schools, and, and there's a really stupid practice. I saw this video today where it talked about how. I mean, I've known this and I've always thought it was kind of dumb. I think I saw it in a West Wing episode where the president was like, yeah, well, I don't know why we still do this. Uh, your property value funds the schools in your area. So the really nice areas have high property value. Therefore, they've got better schools. And the bad areas will have lower property value, which means lower property taxes, which means less funding for their schools. So it's a really bad cycle. How are your how is your house value ever going to raise if the school sucks? And how's the school ever going to raise if the houses suck? You know, or like the value, I should say, sucks. Because the house can be nice, but the value. And you make a good point with the whole, like, what what part with the redlining. I think of Chicago and think of the north side beaches versus the south side beaches. Um, You know, stuff like that. And even in L.A., L.A. is like that. They just repaired them and and redid them recently. But for years, it wasn't like that. Yeah, all. I heard 76th Street Beach, I think, is nicer now. Or um... Yeah, yeah. They, I, I uh, Before I did comedy, I used to live in Hyde Park. And that's and they started doing it. And, and I know for a fact it's way better than it was, in, even, even in the early 2000s. Wow, yeah. I mean, so, like, stuff like that. Like, not the, the uh, one of the biggest creators of middle-class um, prosperity after World War II was the GI Bill. And the GI Bill gave home loans to all the soldiers coming home and the banks didn't honor those to black applicants. So that's another thing that like, I, I you know, I bring all this stuff up. It's such an ugly history, but I want no, people to really understand. Here's, here's something that's going to really hit home with people who are fans of you and, uh, and, and the Cubbies. Uh, my dad, you grew up in the same neighborhood as Ernie Banks and Ferguson Jenkins and, uh, uh, who else was it from the Cubs? Yeah, Billy uh, Williams. Billy Williams. They all lived in his neighborhood on the south side when they played for the Cubs because there was no uh, neighborhoods on the north side that they let them live in. Fucking stars for the Chicago Cubs, and they wouldn't let them live. My my dad said they used to like be walking to the park to go back in the day when kids used to play pickup baseball and shit like that. And uh, they'd be walking to the park and like Billy Williams or or Ernie Banks would offer them like, hey, you guys want, want me to sign a baseball or something like that? And they'd be like, no, Mr. Williams, we already have two or some shit like that. Like, because that was before collecting all that shit was it would they, they they saw him literally every day of the fucking summer. They didn't give a shit about it. Yeah, it wasn't a big deal. <laughs> so, John, where'd you grow up? I grew up in Joliet, actually. Oh, okay, cool. So, yeah, so Southwest suburbs. But um, Dude, did, you see, what you, did you see what Joliet mayor did yesterday? No, what do you do? 
The Chilean mayor like player. jumped a protester. For, for oh, real? Why? I think I saw that. I wish I, I wish I don't know if there's a way I can I can't load up a video to this, but uh it yeah, uh there was a protest and you just see like this clearly like older white dude just grab this guy in a hoodie and just take him to the ground. And the crazy thing is, I thought it was a cop that did it at first. I had to like watch it a couple times to realize it was that older dude that he wasn't a cop. It was the mayor of Joliet. And he grabbed the guy, dragged him across the street and took him to the ground and just start pounding him like he was at a fucking bar fight or something. It was crazy. Like there was no discussion. There was no like, hey, who are you? Anything like that. He just grabbed the guy, dragged him and took him to the ground. And then a bunch of cops swarmed on the dude. And uh, later on, that, he yeah. said he thought the guy shoved him. And I'm like, what kind of fucking mayor thinks somebody that, shoved that, him and just goes ballistic? <laughs> hey, that, that's that's a classic mayor Joliet mayor <laughs> Joliet man. That's that's <laughs> it, it does. If you know Joliet ish, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Totally. I'm surprised he didn't take out a shiv. Yeah. <laughs> Joliet is a very Chicago fucking town. They have. It's they industrial. Yeah, a lot of factories. A nuclear plant just south of it, like two maximum prisons, a ammunitions uh yeah. facility, and uh petroleum um refineries that are next to the munitions facilities where they have giant X's and fields where they do tests that, like if somebody fucks up, all of Juliet's gonna glow. Yeah. <laughs> Did you hear about we had we had uh, so I eighty goes through Joliet and we have a bridge there that literally you have to go over the bridge to get to the other side of Joliet and it's a major highway and so it was deemed unsafe so a minimum safety rating for a bridge in Illinois is like eighty out of a hundred that bridge was ranked was uh, was rated a four so, what <laughs> Jesus Christ yes. I used to go on that bridge all the time. <laughs> Yes. Like all the time. That tells you. Well, if you can handle XL, it's going to be worth four. Come on. <laughs> oh, dude, I used to take that bridge. I think it's, is it the Jefferson Street? Hey, if you get off the Jefferson Street, if you can go like the back way to the courthouse. Is that right? Am I crazy? No, no, you're taking downtown. This is the highway. This is I 80. No, no, no. Yeah, when you get you take I, uh, I oh, yeah, 80 yeah, right yeah, after yeah, you go yeah, over yeah. the bridge. I know what you're talking about. You know what I'm saying? It's like a back way around about. to that. Yeah, the, my my one of my yeah. boys has a barbershop over there. I used to take that shit literally like every two weeks. Fuck. Well, so I <gasps> fucking fix it already. Jesus. Wow. Um, when you said ammunition, I didn't, I didn't want to. It's not a small bridge. You know, XL's been smoking, so that's why he's like really like, what the fuck about this bridge? Um, <laughs> my sister lives like right next to that damn thing, man. She fucking drives past it over every day. Like, I mean, I'm legit. Uh, that's very oh, scary to me. I, I hope I, my I, national I, listeners are appreciating I, this highway talk. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I did want to hit on something. That, yeah, I did want to hit on something that Joe said earlier, though, about like, um, you know, uh, real estate values and whatnot. And I, I think one of the real, uh, uh, one of the real long-lasting effects of systemic racism has been like, in like it, it, putting this idea of this mentality, this defeatist mentality amongst black people and um, this idea that you can only get so far, you can only, you should, you can only invest in so many, in this many things like to get out of the hood, you got to be a fucking rapper. 
you got to be an NBA star. You got to be, you know, an athlete, something like that. But that's why I was like, sometimes I don't know if, obviously you guys know Chris Rock, but he talks about the idea like, why, how many, how come you don't hear about a lot of black billionaires? How come you don't hear about a lot of like, because like bonds and learning about, you know, uh, uh, CDs and all this shit, that isn't sexy. Yeah, that's that's not sexy. So it's a lot of times sold to black people, and I mean, it's kind of this, you know, I call it self self licking ice cream cone is the idea of like, oh, like what make gives you status and like a hood mentality. It's like shit that depreciates in value. All cars, as soon as you drive them off a lot, depreciate in value. Shoes, yeah. as soon as you put them on your feet, depreciate in value. All this bullshit that they that like is held in high regard. It all fucking depreciates in value. You, we're not told. We're not giving like the idea to invest in shit that actually has generational wealth that we can continue to build upon, pass ourselves and pass on to our children and grandchildren. You know, and I'm actually just realizing this actually myself. I don't think it's so much that we're not told because I, I agree with a lot of what you just said. Uh, I don't necessarily agree that it's not told. Is that we, our my mom uh, was fortunate that she was able to buy a home uh, when we were young and she's been a homeowner and I've always like had a home. I never, never lived in an apartment. I've always lived in an owned uh, a house. That's, that's not a huge, that's not a big deal for most people, but for most black families, that's not necessarily, not, I wouldn't say most, but for a lot, probably half, that's, which is a lot, uh, black families, that's not the case. Uh, mm-hmm. Owning property is a very normal thing in my family. Uh, we are we're closer to the Huxables than we are to the family on good times, uh, for the mm-hmm. for the most part, for the, for, the, for, the, for for throughout most of my family, uh, and that's not like a brag. It's just it is what it is. But I'm also knowing that experience in my whole life. Most of my friends think I since I was a kid they think I'm bougie. Uh, I'm not from the South. I don't eat chitlins. Uh, <laughs> I don't go to a black church that like stays in there. That you know. That uh, that all day that you know that they're out at all day all Sunday and stuff like that. It's a different. I I had a different experience. So like I even remember like when I graduated high school, I remember like the difference between my family and how I would talk to other black people. Where uh, my family, the first question they would ask me uh, my senior year was, "Have you decided on which college you're going to? Uh, where are you going to school?" And when I would meet people. Uh, other black people, when I graduated college, I mean high school, they'd say, uh, "You getting a job? You going to the army? Like, what are you gonna do? Like, where you get, you know, you mm-hmm. apply at the factory or something like that?" They, they, like, college wasn't even in the list of things that they asked me if I was gonna do. And uh, yeah. and I and I remember I remember thinking, "Why the fuck didn't you ask me about college?" I re- I remember it struck me weird that they weren't asking me about college, and. Uh, and because everybody in my family, it was a foregone conclusion forever that college was what you do after high school. Um, and, and so that kind of experience having it, if you don't have anybody in your family that my parents are college graduates, my, my father was a, a teacher, a, a principal for, for most of his life. Um, if you don't have those examples, uh, it's hard to know. Like, I will be honest with you. I I was I, I worked in finance. I, I worked with people's money for years, and I learned something. Rich people are not smarter about money than most of us. As a matter of fact, most broke people—if you ever seen the movie Trading Places, they, uh, the shit that Eddie Murphy does, 
that shit really works. <laughs> like that, that, you know, like, uh, well, his hot hustle would actually work. Like if you put a dude, a hustler from the hood and you put him in a situation where he was dealing with, with uh, real financial shit, once he understood what the fuck was going on, I promise you, Jay-Z is not, uh, isn't Jay-Z and T.I. and several other guys who actually did some of the shit that they rap about. Jay-Z actually sold drugs. I lived in Jersey for a long time. I know a lot of cats that will tell you stories about Jay-Z before he was the fucking rapper. Uh, and T.I. the same. And they are, they don't fucking make all their money off rapping. They make all their, they, they are fucking uh, empire, uh, the kings of industry. They own tons of shit. Uh, those dudes, if they're, if they're just, we're, every people are the same throughout. There's people who are industrious, there's people who are lazy slobs, if people who are pieces of shit. But the reason why most black folks go for all that bling bling shit, my summary in this long ass statement, the reason why we go for it is because that's what's accessible. That's what we could get because they weren't giving us access to a lot of that shit. I think a lot of that is changing. Uh, and I think that's one of the reasons why there was so many people of so much diversity out in the streets recently, because I used to make a joke when I started first started comedy, I made a joke about being like the only black person in my neighborhood. I am far from the only black person. Like that joke would be a lie. When I said that joke initially, it was true. It would be a lie now. My neighborhood is fucking multicultural as fuck. Um, uh, it hasn't changed in fact, my property values doubled since what I bought it. But when I moved here, it wasn't like that. Uh, I mean, it was, it was, this was lily white. I got, I had cops follow me into my driveway and wait for my garage door to open before they fucking would, even when they, they even cops had pulled me over and knew my, knew this was my address would still follow me and make sure I went home and didn't like stop any place yeah. else. Yeah, uh, it's crazy, man. Um, well, let's let's kind of like uh, wrap up and summarize. I guess we could say, uh, no, everything you're saying, that's it's. I'm glad you said it, man. It's really, uh, yeah. Every every family experience is different, and like you like you were saying, uh, the bling bling, I guess, was accessible. Um, yeah. And there's so much of that stuff, like with like with COVID, it was hitting the I, the black community and the Hispanic community like big time. And, and actually men in general, if I was going to go a step further, but I know those two communities and I remember doing jokes and notes back in the day. It was a great comedy club on the South side. Awesome. And it was, it was a really fun show. Brian Babylon um, ran a show where he was bringing like North side comics down to the South side. And like, we we're going to like, you know, do like a, trying to integrate the scene more. Battle. You guys did that battle versus uh starting five versus CYSK. I wasn't part of it though. I was out of town. Oh. I, didn't, I didn't do any of those. Otherwise, we would have won. Um, no, um, I think you guys did. Did we? I don't fucking remember. Yeah. But uh, was it was it on the south side? Did they do it at Jokes and Notes? I knew you guys were going to win because not only because you're talented comics, but because uh, any white dude brave enough to do that room and to be going up against uh, black comics, black people was going to give y'all the benefit of the doubt. But I gotcha. It was, it, it was a bunch <laughs> of funny motherfuckers. It was. It was. Yeah. Well, I bring it up because. Um, uh, you know, with the whole health stuff too, is I killed when I did it, when we did like jokes and notes, me and Danny Callis killed that night. Uh, we did it where a couple other CYSK members bombed hard and, and a lot of the other white comics bombed hard. And a point was made to us where the reason Danny and I killed was because we were the only two comics up there that didn't emasculate ourselves. 
We didn't go up there going, I can't get laid. I've got a shitty apartment. I'm a loser. You know what I mean? Which was a lot of comedians then. You know, was, that that type of comic's not around as much. But, you know, that Logan Square wearing a hoodie, like <laughs> one of those fucking dudes. Um, oh, you, you, you're not at the open mics as much as I am, Joe. They're still there? They're still around? They're still, oh, still very much around. <laughs> Smoke break, open mic, Sunday nights. Um, <laughs> yeah, I guess I don't see that. You're right. I don't see it as much as I used to. But uh, so I remember thinking – with the whole, I bring it up, I'm tying that into COVID because um, in that community, going to the hospital means you're weak. So like I, I have, you know, my wife's a nurse and I'm related to doctors and stuff like that. And I asked them, I go, well, yeah, there's some racist stuff where like, you know, doctors don't believe in the black patients complaints as much. So there's that type of stuff, but there's something in the black and Hispanic community with, with men where they were in general, in general, yeah. they wait too long to go to the hospital. Yeah. Even, even like not even like talking about like uh, an accessibility thing, even even um, um, like this is men in general. Like if you have the best health insurance, you're still waiting way too long to go get checked. So, you know what? I, you know what? I think some of that is but this is man. This is just my making shit up. I don't know if it's real or not, but I think some of that shit is based in not having it before, like growing up without it. They're. Grand, my grandfather didn't have a lot of shit and made better for my parents. My parents have a lot of shit made better for me, so forth and so on. I have a very different mentality than my mom and uh, and her generation does about things. I walk much more freely in the world than they do. And I think a lot of that, like not going to the doctor, I grew up with the ability to go to the doctor. Like not going to the doctor doesn't make sense to me. My mom didn't have that. Uh, and, so, okay. uh, and so even when you get it, you still don't go because going to the doctor was a big fucking deal. That's a huge expense. You better really be sick. Oh, so, yeah. So even when you can go to it anytime you want to, they don't because that was something that was peppered into their brain because they couldn't do it before. Yeah. Well, well I mean, we that's... I feel like we take... Uh, sometimes we take we don't take serious illnesses that seriously. I mean, like we we take the... Um, we take the, the horror of an illness... And then we try to like have a gallows humor about it. Like, you know, we call what we call diabetes, the sugar, the you sugar, know, when, you got the sugar. Yeah, and, <laughs> Man, that's yeah, why yeah, I, I'm yeah, sucking down all this water. Cause I'm trying to fight the fight off the sugar. I, I do not have the sugar and I'm keeping it away. Yeah. Exactly. You know what? I that's took your funny advice though. Calling it the sugar is funny to me. I don't know. I mean, I, get, funny, I get it. it. Funny, so yeah. I will say I took your advice. I took your advice one day about, uh, you know, um, uh, staying hydrated, especially when it comes to the bedroom. And I gotta say, you know, that shit, you know what you're talking about. That's hey, are you the, hey man. Hey, hey, look, man. Are you giving him some Peter North advice? What are you doing? <laughs> hey man, look, I I, I, was, I I was told by somebody that I had the penis of a 28-year-old, and uh I that's that's almost 20 years, so I appreciate uh, that. Yeah, <laughs> lots of water and vegetables is um there's a documentary for all the men listening. Tracy, we have a female comment. Tracy, truth. <laughs> um, yeah, lots of water. I don't know. Like, who I don't know which Tracy it is, but thank you. No, just kidding. <laughs> I, I, I don't. Tracy lives in Warrenville. I mean, she mentioned that she lives in Warrenville, so she was okay with the whole I eighty talk. Um, ah, but, okay. uh, we're, we're actually simulcasting on YouTube and on Facebook right now. So Tracy's watching nope. on YouTube. Thanks for uh, thanks for watching, Tracy. Appreciate that. Uh, so you so you're I, I'm trying to t give a glimmer of hope for some things because we are in dark times right now with everything that's going on in the world. Um, what uh, 
you did say that you're going to the doctor. That's something that wasn't afforded to your parents and grandparents. So that's, that's some progress. Uh, where do you, I want you know, both of you excel, John, you go first, actually, maybe, um, where do you see the end result coming up? Like, um, what, what do you want to see? What's the change that you want to see? I think the NAACP came out with like a list of things that they would want to see done. Um, is there anything off the top of your head that you're like, if I was in charge, this is the first thing I'm doing. I mean, the police force or just American or just, well, I mean, both, I guess you could start with like, what do you want to see? Cause you know, everyone's protesting every day and it looks like they're going to continue for a while. What, Mm -hmm. uh, if you were like the leader of the movement and you know, we had a different, we had different leadership in our country and they said, let's have a meeting and let's start the dialogue and let's talk about what kind of change we could truly bring about. What kind of change would you want to see yesterday? I mean, I mean, first and foremost, I mean, I'm glad that <clears throat> I'm glad it came out today. The other three officers were charged. Um, so that's a first, that's a, that's a, that's a step right there. But I mean, it, it's gotta be, to me, the problem is so much bigger than anything you can legislate or anything that can, that we have direct control over direct power to change by law. It just, it comes from a societal change, man. You know, it's, it's, it's having conversations. It's being open to p- opinions different from yours. I went to a pro. I went to one of the protests this past weekend, and you know, it was great. It was beautiful. I was moved by it. But at the same time, I was thinking, you know, I see this big, diverse crowd of you know two, three thousand people, and I have to think, you know, fifty miles from here, they have no idea that this is happening. They only see what they only see the 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 you know people breaking into a Target or whatever, and so. It is it, it is the imperative now upon white people to have those conversations with their racist relatives, with their racist family members, their people who don't see, don't know black people, who don't deal with people who look and sound like them on a daily basis. Because ultimately, those are the people who vote. Those are the people who are going to, you know, back up the police officers when they kill somebody, uh, an unarmed black person and then get away scot-free from it. So it is really changing the minds of the people who exist outside of, you know, the the the, the city of Chicago or uh, the very diverse place. It's getting to those people, making them understand that our struggle is legitimate. And when we are trying to say Black Lives Matter, we're not saying Black Lives Matter more. We're saying Black Lives Matter just as much as white lives or any uh, anybody else's life on this planet. And up until this point, that has not been recognized by a lot of white people. So that's what it would ultimately take. And that's what I want to see. Thank you. Yeah, that's... Uh... Yeah, take that problem head on. I think so. You'd be against unfriending people on Facebook who have different opinions than you. A hundred percent. Yes. Cool. XL. Uh, fuck that. I don't want you in my life anymore. But uh, <laughs> well, that's cool. Uh, you, you guys aren't a monolith. You guys are supposed to agree with each other and everything. They'd be I, weird. No, no. Uh, I don't mind. There are people who have different uh, differing opinions. I have plenty of friends. I uh, I studied finance. I was a broker. Uh, I, I played professional basketball and I was a broker when I got out of school. I made a lot of money. I was 100% conservative uh, before the party started going as far right as it is now. Uh, um, I used to listen to Limbaugh and all that shit. 
Uh, and I only say that to say that uh, we're talking about the financial shit. You know what? I'm not going to go. That's going to be holding up a second. I'm just going to say this. Here's how we, here's how we can fix shit. Uh, make police review boards mandatory in each state, and they have to be citizen review boards totally uh, separated from the police that have real teeth, meaning that when they see a case and they review it, uh, their their advice goes to, and the prosecution goes to, uh, I don't know how to do, I don't know how, what, how to have a special DA, maybe a private, maybe a special separate DA specifically for police. Huh? Kim Novak. She's the DA in Law and Order SVU. I'm sorry. I was, oh, I thought so. I thought that's who that was, but that's so close to I think the actual uh, state's attorney. For anyway, <laughs> I think our local state's. But anyway, um, uh, if there was if there was a special prosecutor in each state that specifically handled police cases, where they knew because I don't think there's a lot of bad cops. I think here's what I think there is. I, I don't think I don't like the phrase good cops because. You're not a good cop if you're letting bad cops do the shit and not telling. But there is no upside in telling. There's no upside in being a snitch because the way the system is set up, nothing's going to happen to that cop. And then you just snitched on somebody. And, and you know, it's it's a bad yeah, scenario. Yeah, there's no incentive for you. I get that. If there was actual repercussions, like if they knew, oh, fuck, I'm going to end up doing 20 years in general pop with a bunch of the guys that I did all this shitty shit to. Uh, my life's going to be living hell. You know, I'm probably so, going to die in jail. If they knew that that was going to happen to them for sure, for sure, I promise you it would change immediately. I think that's a because, great call. Yeah, it's a great call. If you, like, if, if I knew, I was, if I knew, like, those three cops that went to jail, that I mean, that, that uh, just got charged, if they, if there was a chance they thought they were going to get charged, where they had a chance to go, because those guys can go to jail for 40 years if they're all convicted. Yeah, they thought there was a shot in hell that they were going to get charged with a crime where they would be facing forty years. I promise you, they would have stopped. They would they would have tackled them right off. Uh, yeah. I got a good question here. I'll put it on the the screen for you, uh, David P. Uh, my friends really racist parents who do nothing but defend officers. Would you guys have any suggestions on how she could help them understand? Nah, man, wait for them to die. Yeah, <laughs> you, <laughs> you can't teach old dogs new tricks. Basically, uh, it's there's some people. <laughs> I said this to my son earlier. I said, hey man, there's some people who they just they don't they're never gonna get it because they don't want to get it. They could hear somebody singing a song, I hate all the niggas, I wish they would die, and they'd be like, Maybe they're not racist, it's just a catchy tune. <laughs> like yeah. there's some people who just won't see it because they don't want to see it. Uh I like uh, what you said about the whole um there there aren't not all cops are bad or anything like that, but you can't be good unless you call out. The bullshit, you know, I think about that. And I know, yeah. and like, you know, we've said before, and everybody would agree on this. Nobody's disputing that being a police officer is a tough job. It, it is, right? But there is some sort of weird, I don't know if weird's the word, but there's a there's definitely a fucked up culture in there in oh, which yeah. they defend each other. Like if you're a fireman and another fireman was starting fires all over town, you'd be like, what the fuck are you doing? You'd, yeah. you'd definitely be pissed yeah. off about that. Where I feel like yeah. a lot of it's just like, 
Uh, you know, there's a whole turn in their head. They don't want to get into it. You don't know how tough the job is. They go right to that. He's got a family. Maybe we should hire people without families because I'm sick of that. He's got a family excuse. Um, <laughs> that should be on the application. Yeah. You have a family. Sorry, go fucking sell. Ah, man, I don't, I don't know, know about you know? a whole bunch of single motherfuckers either. Like, yeah, that doesn't a lot seem of, like a stable group too of guys. High, right? You're all horned up. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, to, to, to try and answer that question that did come in though, like, because because I mean, I put that out there. So. Yeah, yeah. To, to to address that, I gotta say, like you get, you just gotta be relentless about it, man. Um, you, it, it, nothing. If we knew the magic answer to solving racism, we wouldn't even be here right now. Yeah. So there is no one thing you're gonna say to your parents that's gonna convince them that you know they they can't they shouldn't just automatically defend police officers on every you know. At, at every option, I would say make them watch the video George Floyd, uh, the video of George Floyd being suffocated to death from start to finish, because that's hard as shit to defend. So yeah, I would probably start. start, yeah, I, 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 there's, start people, there's, I, there's people, I, I was told that I was brainwashed because I said I wouldn't, there's no scenario I can imagine that I would call the police for help. Uh, I just can't think of a reason why I would ever call the police for help. If somebody was, mm -hmm. I happen to be, like I said, giant guys, uh, whatever, and I have weapons. If somebody broke into my house, I, I would never, I wouldn't call the police until after I shot. Uh, and then I'd probably call my lawyer and he'd call the police. I would definitely yeah. not do it myself. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, a lot of times police show up after a crime anyway. So, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but I, can, I, I honestly, I can't think of a scenario of anything that could be happening in my life. I mean, there's never going to be like a, a, a SWAT team of Nazis coming after me. But uh, and if there were, I don't think the police would be my I, I, I still can't imagine them helping. me. Like, I can't I can't see a scenario where a bunch of white guys are coming for me and I call the cops and they show up and they're on my side. <laughs> yeah, I get that. I mean, I, I don't, I can't relate to it, but I, I could see where you're coming from with that. John, you want to Excel add another thing, though? I feel like Excel's life is literally the last five minutes of the movie Get Out. That's <laughs> it's just choking this white woman who's been trying to kill you the whole time, and then the cops show up, and you're like, "Fuck." <laughs> no, I was gonna say, uh, I was gonna say, um, like I said before, it's not one thing, and it's gonna feel like. It, it, you're not making any progress, but at the same time, you know, it, it's like your, your, your arguments are going to be like water slapping along the shore. You know, it, it, you don't see that you're making progress, but over time, water hitting rocks that erodes the shit away. So, you know, just Great still game. be that. Yeah, yeah I, exactly. I think I'll, I can summarize it for you, for you, David. For, uh, thanks for the question too, by the way. Um, I think you have two options in XL. They both XL and John both gave you these great uh, options in a sense. You either go fuck them or you're relentless. I don't think you could have like a half-assed approach. Either cut them out of your life, um, if because and that's hard to do if you're related to people. I understand that. Like, you know, if it's someone you see twice a year, fuck them. Just ignore them for the couple hours, and then. Um, or if it's someone that you care about and you're like, I want them to understand what what they think is wrong and how they can be better for it, then full court press. Joe, I wrote a country music song called Like a Dog. And it's for people who, uh, for one reason or another, just can't seem to understand uh, why what happened was wrong. And if they, just, if they just thought about it, like, what if you saw him do that to a dog? 
I promise you their reaction would be different and go, that way you feel, that way you feel right there. Okay, but it's a black person. You should feel the same way. Yeah, I use <laughs> that analogy for, I, I use that analogy for hitting kids. Because I'm like, if you saw someone smack their dog, you'd be like, what the fuck's wrong with you? You know, but there are people like your kid spills a drink. They hit him. Go, I don't teach you. It's like, that's a fucked up thing, you know. And, and that's another thing that some people can't get. I know people who were raised getting hit and they're like, I turned out fine. I'm like, we could evolve and be better. And by the way, you didn't, you know, like. <laughs> I have to admit, Excel, when you said that you had a song, I was expecting you to bring out like a harmonica. I was like, and then now I'm going to play that. Nah, man, I don't. I can't sing for shit. Uh, neither, neither, I, but I, I really did, right? I was just, I was looking for the lyrics. I'm not gonna say it, but it's, uh, but literally, it, it, it's like, I don't understand. I people, some people need the police to be the police because for whatever reason they are so afraid that the world is this dangerous place, like. When when the pandemic happened, I remember. Uh, Alex, Alex, real quick, buddy, I, I do oh. not want to cut you off, but I want to get done. no. Hold on. The problem is we're seventeen, so she can't really cut them out. I oh, didn't think of it that way. Yeah, that's. I oh, thought fuck. I would. I wanted to add that before oh. you went too far in the other direction, and it was weird to go oh, back fuck. to it. Yeah, oh. if you're if you're a teenager and you're stuck in a situation where you're. Um, Racist parents, kinda, I think. You're kind of fucked. I mean, <laughs> you kind of. Yeah, I didn't think you know what? Movie. I thought of you being like 25 or something. Like Get out. Like slipping, <laughs> slipping some slipping movies like Get Out on Family Night. You know, maybe yeah. get them to watch Who's Coming to Dinner. I don't know. There's not a lot of movies dealing with this shit well either. <laughs> or bring up the dog analogy too. Be like, hey, if you're still against that, I mean, I gotta imagine everyone. If if this uh, if your friend's parents are still like okay with the George Floyd murder, then damn, she needs to just keep her head down until she can move out of that situation. Because I can't imagine life will be that much better with them going forward. You know, people, I, mean, I don't know. I don't know. There are some people who are like, like we are having this conversation as if there aren't people who are members of the Klan and Nazi parties and shit like that. Like, I'm not accusing this person's parents of this at all, but there's a chance that they might be those people. Like, like yeah, there's, yeah. There's, a, there's a lot of those people out there. They're, they're real people. It, it's it's a it's a real existing thing. Like there's not just this sea of white people that are just confused and don't really get it. There's some who 100 percent get it. And they're like they were cheering. There's white people who watch that uh, George Floyd video and had beers and, and they're like watching it with their buddies. Like, look at it. Look right here. Yeah. <laughs> couldn't believe it like they are excited about that shit i don't know why i gave them that particular accent they could have any accent you know but, i i sadly those, saw those are real people and her parents might i don't know her parents <clears throat> that i her but she has to be able to maybe come to grips that maybe those are they're those people and you're not going to turn those people yeah i sadly saw a meme that have a was, baby they'll care they'll love their grandkid yeah um you know the the thing that was going around for a while that that huge black guy with the giant dong, you know, that meme, you know, you guys, yeah. you guys are looking at me like, you don't know the meme, you know, the one that was going around. He's sitting on the edge of the bed and they put, they would Photoshop him into all this other stuff. Yeah. That saw, shit was you, you said there are probably pieces of shit out there celebrating it. I saw a you really had, bad meme of that guy sitting on black guy with giant dongs. Well, there's the one main dude though. Who's like the most famous guy. And apparently he died like four or five years ago. 
That guy's dead. Yeah, he's dead. I saw it. I heard it. I saw it on Twitter. I was thread about it. And one a couple like one guy's like, I'm friends with him. Yeah, he died in like 2000, whatever. Yeah, he did porn for a little bit. No, really nice guy, gentle, huge though. Like big guy and also big guy. Um, it would make sense. I, a small I think dick I just watched him the other day. That's uh, that's fucked up. But real quickly though, how great is his life where he's dead but his dick lives on? That's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> You know what I mean? Then, then I'm gonna have a tear jerk later. Yeah, you know, it's too, too, like I'm gone, but my the guy lives on. I don't know. I think that's kind of nice. That um, is nice. But yeah, sorry, David. That's a that's a tough question. I think I think XL and John gave you some good uh, things there. Um, I really like your idea with the. Um, both you guys gave great points and everything like that. I think maybe I wouldn't mind having you guys on again too. We'll see how things unfold. There's a few other issues we didn't really get to, but uh, we're over, a little over two hours right now, and I want people to hear this. And I know. I've done two-hour podcasts where people are into them the whole way, but if you get a little bit too far, that's when they start to pitter-patter away. Um, I, I think, I don't know if you mentioned this, XL, um, the idea also, like, what do you guys think of, I saw someone share, like, a police officer kneeling with, I, I don't know if it was they were sharing the police officer in New Jersey kneeling with people or whatever, um, and some of them might be disingenuous with, like, fine, I'll kneel with you just to shut you the fuck up. Um, but I, I think I think it's good to... I shared a video on Twitter of a police officer in Texas talking about how uh, what that guy did in Minneapolis does not represent me. And that guy needs to be put in jail for the rest of his life. And I shared it going, Hey, we need more cops like this. And uh, most people agree. There was one person like, I don't want to hear from anyone right now. And I'm like, no, look, look. And again, my point of view is that any cop that speaks out, because our whole problem was that there weren't enough good cops calling out bad cops. The good cops that speak out really needed to be celebrated. That way more of them come forward. Yeah, I think that's a big part of this that could help. I, yeah, I actually, you know what? Uh, I'll be honest. I think initially I was on the the side of that person. I was like, I don't want to hear. I don't give a shit. Like, you know, like I don't want to see acts of kindness for cops now. Where the fuck were they before? That was my mentality. But I agree with you completely that we like. Uh, I want to. Hey, shit! I want to get those guys laid. Let's let's uh, let's you know. Yeah. Bring Rihanna. Let's get Rihanna in here. Like, fuck one of the well, cops. I don't deserve that Rihanna. I, come on, let's not go with Rihanna. <laughs> I, don't I, mean. know. I don't know why I just put Rihanna's Rihanna one of my favorites. So uh, I just put yeah. That, that's that's the highest. I don't know. That's the best looking woman on the planet. But anyway, she's so hot. David P um, also mentioned that real quick. I'm sorry, I'm sorry man. This is just interesting. David P says that um that they know that uh, the George Floyd murder was wrong, but they're still racist and said protesters should be bombed. Well, I have something if I could say to that. Tell them that um, because apparently they're against protesters. uh, Is is your mother the owner of Spinners? I got to ask that first. Yeah, is it? Yeah, this bar in Chicago, we just found out the owner's (laughs) racist piece of shit. Um, Listen, if if they still have that mentality, first of all, they're fucking idiots because they don't know history. Uh, They want protesters to be bombed. Be like, all right, cool. They should have fucking bombed um, yeah, the Flint sheriff did do a good job. Someone, uh, David, commented. I don't understand Americans who are against protest or protests that get you look. Protests are supposed to make people uncomfortable. They're supposed to make noise. That's the whole fucking point of them. They're not supposed to be nice. Oh, hey, everyone, let's just protest one hour a day it's from three to four picnic. o'clock. It's not a picnic, exactly, yeah. XL. And and look, look, I'm, I'm American. And I, and I come from Irish blood. So violent protest is in my DNA. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This, I can't ever get against it when so much, like, we all have an eight-hour workday because of the Haymarket riots. We have weekends because of these union labor riots that took place in Chicago in, like, 1896 or something like that. There is, look, nobody wants, there have been some business owners who have gotten fucked over by this, and it sucks, and they're a casualty of this, and I hope they have insurance. And nobody wants people, like, 
But it comes to a point where when I see footage of them busting down a Bank of America, I don't give a fuck. Fuck them. <laughs> yeah, you think Bank of America's hurting? Look, I don't want innocent people getting hurt. And 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 I. I you, but eventually, it's like when peaceful protest didn't work. People were being peaceful. The guy took a yeah. knee and he lost his fucking job. Everyone's like, be like Martin Luther King. He fucking died. Did you forget that he got assassinated? Um, that's me getting yeah. angry speaking to white people. I know I didn't say I was going to hijack the conversation, but nah, this is man. me speaking to that dick at the end of the bar. You know what I mean? <laughs> go, Joe, go. You got it. <laughs> hey, man, but no, you, you just made me think of another thing. Uh, white, white privilege even eluding. Naperville got looted. Do you know what store they hit first? The, the fucking Pandora store. Oh, yeah, they they, yeah. they looted cute bracelets. That's what they looted. Cute bracelets that you give your mom and your girlfriend when you're in high school. That's what got looted. <laughs> like I, there's no way that those were thugs. No Dude, it, those were they weren't the thugs. Hug. It was 17 year olds yeah. who think prom might still happen, and they needed a gift. <laughs> yeah, and I would say to just piggyback on that, man. Like I, like I said, I went to one of the protests this weekend. And the vibe was not like let, we're gonna steal a bunch of shit. Let's fuck, you know. Let's let's go and burn shit down. It was definitely tense and it was definitely passionate. But the people who are doing the vast majority of the looting aren't the people going to the protests. Those are just opportunists along the side who are like, I'm gonna I'm gonna use this opportunity to go and get some shit from Target or whatever. Yeah. So trying yeah. to say that those are that like equate the looters with the protesters that that they're on two separate two separate planets man like to make people because i think people don't really understand or believe that but there's no fucking way somebody protested for 12 hours standing in the heat and getting tear gas and shit thrown a shot at them and then had the energy to fucking loot it's a whole different group of people like, like, like nobody's out there. No justice, no peace for eight hours, and then like, all right, let's get these TVs, baby. <laughs> it's TV time. <laughs> Papa needs a flat screen. Like, that, there's no way that those are the same people. Those are the same people. I I agree. Yeah, it's it's fucking hilarious to me how people could equate the two things sometimes. I mean, obviously, there's going to be like you were saying, there's opportunistic people taking advantage. There's also people from the outside who want these things to get out of hand. There's those proud boys who are fucking white supremacists. The boogaloo. The boogaloo's too, and they they definitely that's a fact. And then there's that one undercover cop in Minnesota that everyone that they found out was an undercover cop who was bashing out the AutoZone work uh, window. I think it was more than one. That that I mean, that's the one guy that they caught. But I, I think there were several dudes that were uh, that were involved in that. Man, I wouldn't be surprised if 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 there's a if we find out that there's a chat room somewhere where all this shit was uh, some kind of like they were trying to launch some shit or something. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised either, man. But listen, guys, I mean, I can't thank you guys enough for taking the time to be on the podcast and. Um, and to just voice your own personal experiences with racism and and getting into the history and what's happening now and and I'm I really I'm very grateful to both you guys and uh, tell tell everyone where they could find you man you guys got to support them Tracy David everyone who's been in the chat room I thank you guys so much for checking it out my man um, Chad McDaniel Gary Lee Kevin Olsta, uh Mike McCabe so many I, I'm just scrolling through right now you guys were awesome thank you very much um, that was a comment from earlier so it was that. Uh, um, uh, tell uh, guys, uh, you guys got to follow and, um, and, and support John and Eric, um, XL. Tell them where uh, they could follow you guys on social media. Go ahead, John. 
Yeah, I'm on uh, John McCombs Comedy uh, Facebook page and Instagram. Like I said, I also run a, a podcast called The Breaking Into Business Show. Uh, we just dropped an episode uh, today, actually, uh, about going full-time overseas. So a lot of good information on there um, about comedy. So uh, check that out. Definitely uh, subscribe and follow. Awesome. Dope. Uh, Xavier Lamont, you can check, you can find me at XL Comedy on Twitter. Also, the New OGs podcast. We got a new New OGs podcast page that'll be launching this Friday. Our show is every Friday around 4 p.m. ish. We say 4 p.m. ish, it usually starts around 4.15. Live on this same network, People of Comedy, me and Bobby Hill. Uh, and there's also a webpage, uh, XL Comedy on Facebook and Morning Wood with Xavier Lamont. That's awesome. Again, thank you guys so much. Everyone listening, I, I mean, I'm hoping for more positive change. Um, again, like I said earlier, it's not enough to just say I'm not racist. We got to be anti-racist. Uh, let's let's be like better. You know what I mean? Be aware of your own biases. Talk to people you know um, if you can. We, we discussed that a little bit. And, um, and yeah, just be supportive. You know what I mean? Be supportive of other people and put your, yourself in their shoes and what's going on. And um, and let's keep uh, let's keep pressure on our politicians to be fucking better and represent us all um, equally. You know what I mean? Um, everyone, thanks for listening so much. Really appreciate it. This has uh, been um, the Joe Kilgallen podcast, uh, also known as Kilgallen's Pub. I might be rebranding it, guys, for YouTube because um, Joe Kilgallen podcast, I might get some Joe Rogan people on accident. And I want to get some of that Spotify money. <laughs> so uh, I think I might be calling it the Joe Kilgallen podcast from now on. Uh, but you guys have been great. Thank you guys so much. Um, and uh, this has uh, been the podcast. Thanks, guys. Thank cool. you, man. Thank Thanks you. for having me.